0: I should start by knowing where I'm going. Voltaire, Wheezy Waiter, Plugs.
1: You're gonna have to help me with some of these French pronunciations. I'm gonna needs. have to
0: make up, I, I kind of vaguely remember them from the, the article, but...
1: When you say French stuff, even though it still might be wrong, at least sounds convincing, like to <laughs> yeah. someone who doesn't know, but when I say it, it's very obvious I have no clue how to pronounce
0: it. What I do is I just uh, throw on uh, French Jackson. Uh, <laughs> it <yes>. works. <laughs> Welcome to episode five. This, this week we are talking all about Voltaire and how he became super rich by essentially rigging the lottery, this is actually one of my favorite. I, I know I say that about a lot of them, but this is a brilliant story, which I'm I'm really enjoying getting into a conversation about. Uh, before we get started, we should do our, our regular thing. If you are watching this on YouTube, please, please, please stop. I mean, don't stop if you're <laughs> if you're watching it on YouTube, but go over to the podcast and uh, and and get the the podcast feed because that helps us out. This is a podcast. We would love it if you were listening on your phone rather than watching the weird visualization on YouTube. But um, still, the YouTube version much more popular than Podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, at least on the plus side, I mean, for right now, we do actually
0: make a little money
1: on the YouTube version, whereas the podcast version costs us money.
0: That's true. I mean, if we weren't playing the long game here, we should be like, remember to watch on YouTube, and be like an advert every five minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but but yeah, if everyone switched to the to the podcast version, it would it would very much become all of a sudden how we wouldn't be losing money on the podcast.
0: Yes, it is. It is a whole interesting thing how. Uh, YouTube's fantastic. They can. I, I remember once when we we started out. I, I vaguely ran the numbers on how much it would cost to host videos. If we were doing it on, on Amazon's AWS, you know, they provide like hosting so you can feed different things. And it was it was an extraordinary amount of money. So so YouTube hosting videos really makes all of this possible. And in exchange, they take a nice slice of the ad revenue. But with podcasts, you do you do host it all yourself. You pay for all of the all of the hosting. So um, hopefully we will be doing the occasional advert in the future. I know we've got kind of some stuff in the pipes to, to kind of that's tied mm-hmm. into YouTube. More on that in the future. But, you know, when you hear ads that will be paying for this podcast, and the, the surprisingly expensive business of, of feeding it to people's uh, phones. What's coming up? So, mentioned Voltaire. That's good. One of my... This, this was great. I haven't actually... We haven't actually done the interview as of this recording, but today we are talking to Craig of Wheezy Waiter fame. And this was a guy who I was following on YouTube before I was even doing things on YouTube, which is uh, kind of like a surreal privilege for me. So, um, yeah, I, have, I assume that interview went swimmingly and you'll enjoy <laughs> it and it'll be great. So, yeah, uh, there we go. We're recording that on Monday. Today is Friday. <laughs> Lining um, up, week after that, Carl, Carl Smallwood, regular contributor to Today I Found Out, also host of fact fiends on youtube mm-hmm. a channel you should subscribe to if you're if you're listening to this
1: he also um let's see top tens he used to write for top tens. Does still, he still does tens? i always still like it does. when
0: his his articles come up because they're they're really funny and i'll have a have a good laugh while yeah. reading through those
1: he's gotten quite good at this over the years i think today i found out though was his first was his first online writing gig i think what i could that? be wrong it might have been cracked but i think it was
0: the first regular writing gig anyway there you go yeah calls a calls a, talent- a talented talented guy Voltaire. Everyone's heard of him. I'm, I'm imagining most people listening to this have at least heard of Voltaire, the the Enlightenment thinker. I see you've described the great Enlightenment thinker. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely qualifies as great Enlightenment thinker. But And like the king of the smart Alex. King of the smart Alex. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. But there's another story about Voltaire, which we're going to get into today, right?
1: Yeah, and it's one that I I, I don't know why, like... You know, when you're trying to get students into Voltaire and stuff, a lot of students are like, ah, you know, whatever this old stuff, I don't want to read that
0: or whatever. But I feel like this story is a great way to like, wait a minute, this is kind of an interesting guy. Like, yeah, uh, I always feel it's like one of those if this happened today, it would be like, wow, anyone would think this is incredibly cool. If this happened today, I'd be like, all right, I guess this guy's like this. This guy's pretty cool. He's pretty smart.
1: So, yeah. So we should probably say. uh, So what what did he do here? And uh, maybe we should just wait. Hold off. For the reveal? What do you think?
0: Well, I I mean, I don't think it's the reveal to say that basically he kind of worked out a way to rig the lottery i don't think that really spoils the story because we're going to get into that pretty quickly but we can like uh talk a little bit about voltaire before we get into the fact like how he basically cheated his way to incredible wealth
1: (laughs) yeah and this was this was the key to his to his basically being able to be the great enlightenment thinker without it he probably would have ended up in prison just for for indefinitely or they would have just had him killed at some point but because he rigged the lottery and he became insanely wealthy you know he just got exiled and things like that as the wealthy did back then.
0: Yes. Yes. But I mean, he didn't really come from, like, a rough background. I see, like, I was reading through the notes for this thing, and it's like, he was from, like, a fairly well-off family. I, I like how yeah, this his, low-ranking noble family, his mother was from a low-ranking yeah. noble family, and it's like, wow, there's no, noble ranks and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, very, very minor-ranking noble family, not, you know, super wealthy or anything, and his father was a minor treasury official. So they were kind of uh, upper-middle class, you might consider, uh, at the at the time, and, and somewhat well-connected with the more wealthy as well.
0: Yeah, which today you kind of imagine... imagine... Imagine, like, this is the sort of person who would, like, in my mind, who would go off to Oxford and Cambridge and study classics and then go on and become a great Enlightenment thinker without having to work out how to rig what we would call, like, the National Lottery...
1: (laughs) Yeah, but instead, like his father really wanted him to be a lawyer, and so he kind of went to school for that, and he ended up getting a job as like a clerk or something like that, and was pursuing law at the time. And then, but he didn't want to be a lawyer; he wanted to be a writer, and uh, so he he completely just went against his father's wishes, abandoned that profession, and decided to be a writer. And promptly was gotten all sorts of trouble because he liked to he liked to poke fun at very wealthy and very high no high ranking nobles and things, and make fun of them in satire. And so this resulted in him you know in the early parts of his career they're getting exiled from paris he also got imprisoned in the bastille for uh, 11 months before he eventually uh, convinced them to let him be just exiled to britain and so eventually in britain he eventually got to come back wait to, do you,
0: do you know France. what he went to do you know what he went to jail for was this just one of his like uh, you know his critical pieces of some person who's probably too important and he shouldn't be yeah, writing uh, badly about. Well,
1: it. Actually, this one, this one,
0: I was going to save it for the bonus facts, but Ooh. at the very end. But, but well, we, we can get into we, it in the bonus facts. We can tease it. We can yeah. be like, remember to listen to the end of this episode because you'll find out why, why, <laughs> why in yeah, so
1: prison. So for people, we are we're doing bonus
0: facts at the end now. So um, they're always so stick popular around on the YouTube channel that we thought they, uh, they introduce them here. But okay, so let's go back. So. We, the Bastille prison, we'll save that for the end. We'll, we'll take it back to the beginning of his, his kind of rebellious career. And let, So he was exiled to England.
1: Yeah, and then he eventually was allowed to come back to Paris. And this is where his life sort of changed um, for the much better when he went to a <laughs> dinner party held by one Charles de Fay in 1728. Um, there he met a mathematician... Named Charles Marie de la Condamine, and the mathematician had a great idea. So at the time, France was really struggling because they're um, with some, the government was uh, struggling to raise money because they had to. So the decline of the French economy in the 1720s resulted in the, and they completely, their bonds that they were selling, they had to lower the interest rate of them. And the result of that was. (laughs) that then nobody wanted to buy the bonds, and it was a major problem.
0: It's nice that it's like 300 years later and governments and people are still having the same problems that they, they, they did back in the day.
1: So uh, there was a clerk, or no, what was he? No, not a clerk. A deputy finance minister for France. Okay, uh, so not a clerk. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> We've established that the deputy finance minister for France, not a- if he was alive, he'd, he'd he'd be turning over in his grave. I, I wasn't a clerk. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was actually he was actually quite successful at his job. Is is Michel Robert Le Pietre De Forte? Well, I don't I mean, know yeah. <laughs> just
0: just a disclaimer for the rest of this episode: there are a lot of French names which we are going to to butcher. I could just say it in a French in, accent: Michel Robert Le Pietre De Forte. See that sounds way better than yeah. anything I could come up with. Beautiful. So.
1: Yeah, he he actually was known to have done a really good job at his time as deputy mm. finance minister but this was not one of his better ideas he decided that they would uh, they would issue a lottery right and the the idea behind this would raise the value of existing bonds encourage the sale of new bonds and earn some extra money for the government in the in, in, in at the same time
0: this sounds like a good idea Just to go on a slight tangent here, because again, another parallel from the 1720s to today, we have something in the UK called premium bonds, which Mm -hmm. are similar to this, if my I don't own any of these things, but you can buy them. There's no interest, but you get entered into a lottery. So I think you can buy like, it used to be like £30,000 worth of premium bonds, and you'd hold them, and you can go cash them in with the government at any time, but also you get like an entry for every pound that you have, or whatever the value is, into a lottery, Mm -hmm. and there's like a million pound prize every month, Mm -hmm. and, and and all of this stuff. And these have been around for ages. It was, I think it's quite a good way that the government raises money because people, you know, they pay less overall, people love a lottery. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this obviously wasn't a good idea for a particular reason.
1: Yeah, this this was uh, what you describe is very similar to his idea. But the difference was, so his idea was to anyone who owned a bond, Mm. uh, you could take that bond and for one one thousandth of the bond's value you could buy a lottery ticket so this is the way the government would make money on it and and the winner of the lottery would then get the they get the face value of the of the winning bond ticket and on top of that they get a jackpot of five hundred thousand levers is that how you say that
0: (laughs) i have no idea i mean before the euro, they had the francs. I have no idea when they had the... I, I, livre. Yeah. livre. Yeah. I'm sorry, any French livre. people. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just like, this is like I imagine a French accent. It
1: sounds, to to my to my American ears, it sounds way better than anything i say. <laughs> to me,
0: this. it sounds like the sort so. of sarcastic thing you might see on Monty Python when someone's trying to do a French accent. <laughs> I, oh, oh sorry. 500,000 livres. But how much is that? That's like half a million somethings. That means not a yeah, lot so. to
1: me there's not really a good way to translate that one to like some, some of these things you can just go into a currency converter and it's quite easy. It comes up with a reasonably accurate of what that is in modern dollars, but this one, this one, not so much the case, but it's basically by buying power, it's about $6.2 million today. And for another reference, like by, if you wanted to buy gold at the time, it was about $6.4 million worth of gold. Um, and then on the other
0: small amount of money,
1: no, it's, it's definitely, if you're reasonable or anything, but no, but you're set for life. If you, if you're not too crazy with your money (laughs) and uh, to, but to another another reference and this one maybe shows the other end of it so if you want to do it by labor by like how much you could buy how much labor could you buy with mm-hmm. the average wage of people oh for this is going to be 000. higher
0: because people used to not get yeah. paid so much
2: no
1: yes yeah, this is way higher so in modern day terms if you were to buy that same amount of labor it would be 121 million dollars so whoa this was yeah this was either way you look at it whether the you know the lower end or the higher end or this this the person if is set for life basically with just one win so this seemed like a great way yeah. i mean just, people with do you a know? Bun.
0: Do you know why? Like, I mean, I, this is just something I've always thought when we're making the videos. Like, some stuff you can do, like 1960s dollars to today's dollars, mm-hmm. is quite easy, mm-hmm. and yeah. you can be like, oh, okay. So you know, when I always think like when they're talking about Mad Men, it's basically you can add a zero onto the end, or it's like eight times. And I always think like, oh, okay, there's, there's, a, you know, when you're watching like uh, historic mm-hmm. TV shows, why is it so much harder when you get into like really old currencies? Can't it just be done in like a similar way?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's the problem is in like 1960, you can you can kind of look at the labor, and you can look at the inflation between very easily right mm-hmm. it's not and especially when it's in the same currency but even even when it's a different currency you can usually with most currencies translate it pretty good but when you're going way back then i mean the the, the world was just so different with the way things were done and you know like you said how much people get paid and stuff yeah. like that so so it's it's like you could have fast, loads of
0: servants and a reasonable amount of gold and today it would be like you could probably have more gold than people because people you know labor got really expensive but yeah
1: yeah but I, I feel like that you know like six million six million dollars six point oh, i wouldn't million say no gold. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, be like yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's what I, it, it. Seems you know somewhere in that ballpark. So you're you're just going to be really wealthy if you yeah. win this. So back to the party. Yes. The, the oh, the dinner petition, party was
0: slow. The dinner party. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah
1: La Condamine says to Voltaire, who Voltaire's struggling financially as writers. Writers are wont to do uh-huh. when they're starting out, especially back especially then. Especially imprisoned uh,
0: exiled once he liked poking fun at nobility. Yeah. La yeah.
1: Condamine not also, great for business. La <laughs> Condamine was reasonably well off, better than Voltaire, but so you he. Know, I mean, he wasn't like insanely wealthy or anything like that. Uh huh. And he being a mathematician and scientist, he very quickly saw the major flaw in this whole scheme was that you could easily just buy it. So it was one one thousandth of the value of the bond, right? But the bond could be for you know various amounts. So if you had a bond for a hundred thousand livres or livres or whatever, you know you you you're but and then the on the other end of the spectrum you had one for a thousand livres. That one one that ticket for the smaller one is going to cost you one livre, and in the other that's going to cost you a hundred.
0: Oh, so you just should just get loads of small bonds.
1: Exactly, uh-huh. you get the small bonds, and then what happens is you just collect, and if you collect enough of them, you know about how many are out there, and you can collect enough, you can be reasonably sure you're going to win that lotto. Oh and then, wow, you know, okay. You just, yeah you just have to basically crunch the numbers how many how many do you have to acquire and remember these were low value at the time lower than their face value and so it's just it's just doing the math how much do you have to acquire to make it reasonably good odds and then you crunch all the numbers and then you play it over and over again mm-hmm. and then in the long term you're going to win enough to to make it all happen now neither Lacondamine nor voltaire had enough money to make this happen they you know it was perfectly you know the math was there. It's a perfectly good scheme. It's going to work in the long term. You, you might not win the first time, but, you know, if you play it, keep playing it. Yeah, uh, so, is this legal? Like, this are is, they, there's, uh, there's no rules against this, this. It's shady you know definitely, definitely a little shady, shady. <laughs> but it wasn't technically illegal which which will come into play later this was an important fact and probably helped them get investors so lacanamine said you know his idea but voltaire had the connections voltaire was very charismatic a lot of people you know he knew a lot of higher ups and stuff to, who had money and you know so lacanamine says you you go find people to invest in this we'll make a syndicate it'll be great <laughs> it's going to work out and so they do this and they did have one more problem is that there's a limited number of notaries who could give the lot of tickets you know when you buy them and so so if you have one person, Voltaire, coming in and being like, yeah, I want like, you know, 10,000 lotto tickets, that's going to be a little suspicious time and time again as he comes each each round of the lotto. He's coming in and doing yeah, the same especially thing. Especially when he's
0: winning, like
1: regularly. Yes. Yeah, so Voltaire had to then uh, find one of the notaries who happened to, you know, be open to the idea of scheming with the syndicate uh, and for, I'm sure, a cut of the profits.
0: So the Voltaire's, Voltaire's role in this is basically everyone likes Voltaire and he's got like loads of friends.
3: Yeah, and okay. yeah,
1: he's he was very curious very clever you know like he, he just people he was one of those people who just people like him you know yeah. well i should say un- until he's writing satire about them and then they hate him uh, which which was a theme throughout his life where a lot of people who once liked him and were big fans then they come to not like him after he starts you know writing satire about them so oh voltaire
0: okay so voltaire <laughs> brings all of his his temporary friends into this scheme
1: yeah, and so they all get together. The syndic, they you know, they pitch in the money where they have it, and uh and then they do it, and it totally works for about two years. They're just like continually winning the lotto. Wow, at this this massive prize, and then giving up the giving up the prizes among themselves. And so the problem is is Voltaire being Voltaire, like he couldn't help himself seemingly. So when you turn in the tickets, a lot of people would like write on the back. You know, you write your name and. All that, But then they would write little good luck messages and whatnot. Uh-huh. But Voltaire would instead, he would write like phrases mocking the government. And uh, he would also do things like <laughs> even like partially giving away a scheme where he, he wrote like, here's to the good idea of Marie de la Condamine. <laughs> and oh, then, you nay. know, writes a fake name. And so after a while, they the, the officials started catching on like this seems like the same the same people doing this over and over. And so yeah. they they did. And it and because of the things he was writing, it was not hard at all to figure out who was doing it. And so the government got on and then they took him to court. They said, uh, you're you're rigging this. This isn't this isn't OK with us. And so but ended up because there was nothing actually technically illegal about what they were doing. It was just because it was a poorly designed lottery system. Uh, they ended up getting away with it. But the end result was after the court, ruling where they got away with it the they just the french government canceled the lottery uh, from there but in the two years in the interim voltaire himself his own share this is just his share which is a small percentage of the total pot they won was estimated to be about five hundred thousand 000 livres or livres
0: of oh the, that's the same the amount as we talked about money. before so like the the six yeah, million it was gold roughly
1: yeah so he was he was set now okay, like yeah he was fine and yeah so now both Voltaire and Le Condamine were now quite wealthy and this was this was actually a pretty crazy thing for both of them uh, because Le Condamine you might not have heard of him but he actually had some quite interesting things he did with that money afterwards which um so I guess we should we'll talk about him and then we'll we'll talk about what Voltaire did with the
0: uh, my understanding from like videos we've made in the past about people who like who win lots of money suddenly or you know acquire lots of money suddenly is it all goes terribly wrong so I was quite surprised like spoiler alert it doesn't go terribly wrong for these guys I mean we all know who Volterra's and this other guy got up to some notable stuff. My expectation, based on like my modern understanding of people winning the lottery, is they're probably going to go bankrupt after some spell with drugs. That seems to be like an often repeated problem. Or or Or, be like murdered by a family member or...
1: (laughs)
3: Yeah, it doesn't yeah. end well. Usually. So yeah, that's
1: usually, yeah. And, but back then it was uh, for and I mean, this was a brilliant guy. who's extremely eccentric, which I mean, I was reading up on him and he's, he's worthy of his own article in and of himself because he's just like this really like ultra inquisitive about every little thing. And a little bit, there was like some writings about him when you first encounter him. Like, if you don't know him, it almost like he's mocking you because he's just like question after question after question, everything in the way he would talk yeah. and stuff was just, he comes across as almost like just really weird and mocking. But then once you get to know him, you realize he's just, you know, he this just wants just to know everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. This is just who he is and he's a brilliant mind. And so, yeah, his insatiable, he, he did that he now he has the money to do whatever he wants and so he just insatiably curious about everything so he did science just science everywhere so he went he uh most some of the notable things he did was he led a trip to south america to attempt to measure accurately the circumference of the earth as well as determine if the earth was a perfect sphere or not this was a and and beyond that also most people most of the educated didn't think it was a perfect sphere but they they still needed to prove it Mm -hmm. and he also they also wanted to know so like newton thought that the earth probably flattened at the poles and then uh Uh, Who was it Descartes uh thought it must they were probably flattened at the equator and so this was partially what they were going they wanted to find all this stuff out and so he goes and he measures that and they yeah they uh, determined Newton was correct and
0: I love this guy there is like I'm super rich what am I gonna do yeah I'm just gonna figure this out yeah for, and this
1: was not a quick journey. Obviously, this was uh, he actually left France and didn't come back for like ten years because he was, you know, travel Part part of it, there was a war going on, and so he had a he was uncertain whether his his ship could get back to France after the few years he spent mm-hmm. in South America. So he went he went to um, Amsterdam actually uh, for a while and did some science there and did some traveling and stuff. But uh, so beyond that, while he was in South America, he mapped the Amazon River. He was the first scientific exploration of that region. Um, he also, because of his work um, with the measurement of the Earth, uh, he helped define. The length of the meter when it was eventually established, and um, first scientific paper on rubber, and also helped introduce rubber to Europe, which was a big deal. And then he came up while well, he was also in South America. There's a tree bark that has this uh, thing called quinine in it, and they knew you could use it for um, treating malaria, but they didn't really. He basically did a lot of research in it and found a way of like refining it to make it a very effective um, treatment for malaria. And then, then another thing, he helped champion inoculating people against smallpox, which was there was a big stigma against this, but this was actually a pretty effective way. And it would be, I think it was about a half century later that they finally came up with a really uh, effective way of inoculating people with cowpox. Um, did he, but, did he yeah, like so, go
0: on to work on the Apollo program? Is there anything this guy did not do? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy.
1: No, he did. He Yeah, he basically spent the entire rest of his life just traveling around, studying just whatever he came in contact with. And he, it was quite, quite interesting. Uh, and uh, just one of the more interesting it. things. He seems
0: like super successful at everything he does.
1: Yeah. And th- it was just a brilliant mind when he, you know, wow. he focused that so focused as he was. Uh, and then he did, by modern standards, this is a little a little weird. I think even in his time, this was a little weird. He had to get dispensation from the Pope or permission from the Pope to to do this. But at fifty five years old, he married his twenty five year old niece Charlotte Buzoir
0: Bezo- de Estueli. Oh, uh, 75- Charlotte Bazier de in seventeen fifty six. That's that's slightly odd. Yeah. So. She that's married her uncle. But,
1: but as you'll see later with Voltaire, this is another way they sort of married each other. But... Um, Are we talking blood so,
0: relative here?
1: Yeah. Or is his, it like his, his sister's, wife's... Sisters. Oh, no. It's his sister's his, it's, daughter. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's that's people used to marry their cousins all the time. But
1: that's yeah. But the age gap also was a little weird. And um, but at the time, I mean, part of his motivation was his sister was widowed and she didn't have the money to give her her daughter a good dowry. So there was no way for her to marry anyone of basically of sufficient wealth. So she wasn't. uh, So he he married her instead. He was quite (laughs) wealthy. uh,
0: Instead of marrying her, (laughs) he could have just given her some money.
1: Apparently, they had a great, great relationship. She was incredibly intelligent, apparently. And they 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 worked well together.
0: There you go. And so, yeah.
1: Even his death, though, it was interesting. So this, his talk about his eccentricities in his death. So he dies in 1774 at the age of 73. Uh But he didn't quite have to die at this point. It was a scientific experiment. Seventy three is quite and, and old it, back in the day, right? Ex- and this is what he thought. He thought and this is what he supposedly told the surgeon who was gonna work on him. So there's oh, he had a hernia okay. and the surgeon he, he found this young doctor who who thought he had a way to treat hernias, like this new way that would work. And the doctor was like, No, I'm not gonna perform the surgery on you though, because you're too old. Like you're it's gonna, gonna you're throw definitely my stats. Gonna die yeah. if I do this. Yeah. And and mean, do you want to read this quote for me? Is uh, where, where he supposedly told the doctor.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. That is just the reason. If you succeed, the experiments will make your reputation. And establish a precious discovery for mankind If I come to grief My age and my infirmities will be the cause And I only risk two or three years of life I will be operated I should have done that in a French accent I will be operated <laughs> Yeah, this so yeah and uh, further
1: in his eccentricities so during the during the procedure he supposedly kept interrupting the, the surgeon and making oh, him man. stop and just so he could ask him, oh he's conscious him of course he's about, conscious it's like the the 18th century yeah he's century. conscious what yeah asking him what 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 you know what are you doing what why are you doing this and just like completely just curious he, he wants to know what what's going on and he did he did survive the procedure initially and uh the hernia was apparently fixed okay but then he died a couple days later from of course infection oh <laughs> yeah, this that was the thing back then
0: 1774 we're talking uh solidly before anesthetics solidly before painkillers and stuff right nothing effective okay. Not, nothing like we have today so yeah when, when did they start cracking poppies open and being like mm, if we eat this this works pretty well i mean that's like a fairly basic like <laughs> Eat this poppy and it will kill you. It's basically what, like morphine in there and stuff or whatever. Uh, yeah. Opium.
1: I think they used to use stuff like alcohol and stuff like that, but yeah, nothing. <laughs> I can't, I, we've done, we've done we did, articles yeah. on this before. Yeah. I, when, I'm trying where, to remember when exactly they came up with all this, but yeah, I'm, tr- I'm completely blanking on, on the time frame here. So yeah.
0: But you could, you could be relatively certain he's in some amount of distress while he's having this area yeah. operated on. He's just like, oh, uh, Doc, what are you doing there? What are you stitching there? What's what's that? Yeah. <laughs> me, be quiet. Yeah. So
1: yeah, completely willing to risk the last couple of years of his life just you know, because he could've he could have lived with the hernia, but you know, just let's see. This is a new procedure. It could be groundbreaking. I could die, but whatever. I'm old. Wow.
0: And dying of infection, not exactly yeah. a great way to go.
1: Back to Voltaire. So oh, he Voltaire. Voltaire, he he takes his his lottery winnings, which he's already wealthy now, but he's not like Mr. Burns wealthy at this point. Okay. You know? So he he ends up because he has all these connections, he's he's very friendly with a lot of people. He basically did a lot of I mean, insider trading um, and (laughs) totally legal back in the day i'm imagining yeah totally totally legal back then not so much now and he did that and he made himself insanely wealthy just where he could now do whatever like say whatever he wanted he had the protection of his wealth no more could oh i i was gonna we'll talk about it in the bonus facts how he got thrown in the bastille but um yeah so this this wealth shielded him from from serious repercussions for the things he had to say so he could now say whatever he wanted and this was a unique position he had. There was other you know enlightenment thinkers and things that uh, we probably have never heard of that said things and then promptly got thrown in prison for the rest of their life or you know, this sort of thing but he he could say whatever he wanted no risk really other than you know occasionally being exiled or whatever.
0: It'd be funny if that's how it worked today like if you were super rich and you said something like yeah. bad or you, you committed some sort of crime it'd just be like mm, you're too rich so we're just going to send you to like England. It'd be like yeah. now Nowadays it'll be like it doesn't. What, guys, stop sending your criminals here. This is weird.
1: I mean, there's still the advantage. Of course, you can get better lawyers, and they can drag things out and this sort of thing. But uh, yeah, not not quite like then, where you could just yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to England for a couple of years, and then eventually you'll, you'll all be no longer as offended as you once were, and then I'll come back
0: so he gets he gets yes, mr burns yeah. wealthy through all this insider trading
1: <laughs> so first okay. he, he first he basically <laughs> helps rig the lottery and then he does insider trading and interesting guy going back to the, his following in la footsteps again uh he married he so he had a lot of mistresses over his lifetime and love interests and things including one one that died during childbirth which i assume was his child but uh yeah that was kind of devastated him but then his niece uh his his again, no his, no he didn't also as with yeah also <laughs> as with Lacondamine his niece was the daughter of his sister and he actually paid, or initially uh, he paid for a dowry for her so she could get married and she married this guy named uh nicholas charles dennis and but then he died a few years later and so now left you know her 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 father was dead and she had no money so he he took her on as a housekeeper and then at some point over the subsequent years they became much closer and they never actually got married because i think you needed the uh, you need special permission to marry your niece even then <laughs> he they never actually got married but they lived together as as a, they presented themselves as a married couple and when he died interestingly, he died in 1778 he literally left her his heart Oof. like his physical yeah, oh, heart yeah. like yeah. Uh... yeah. yeah. Aunt, pickled or, and brain or something and brain <laughs> yeah and brain. yeah exactly they boiled it in alcohol as wow can thing. you imagine reading wasn't... that will
0: it's like to my <laughs> beloved weird niece Here,
1: slash part my heart. wife <laughs> and she she wrote some sort of i can't remember the thing but she wrote some sort of thing in the box she kept it in on her little mantelpiece with like pictures of people he liked around she had a whole like little shrine to him with his heart there and she wrote something it was something that affect like his spirit goes everywhere but his heart lies here or whatever. So you know like they, so, they they were a happy couple apparently, even though, you know, again he was way, way older than her and it was his niece, which is a little weird. Happy. Um. A
0: little, little bit creepy on, yeah. on multiple factors here. And this was unusual yeah, but, back in the day, so it's just kind of it's quite the coincidence that yeah. Le Condamine and Voltaire both married their blood relative nieces. Soon. Yeah. You
1: apparently, you know, it worked out and to be fair for the women, I mean you have Le Condamine who's really wealthy and Voltaire who's really wealthy and famous, and you know, at the time when your husband dies and you have no money, there's—I mean, you don't really have a lot of other options when you're yeah. back then. If you're no, I mean, it's definitely
0: more—it's definitely more creepy from the uh, the the older man side of things rather than the the poor yeah. desperate niece who doesn't have any money side of things.
1: But they seemed happy in their relationships, yeah. so yeah. you know. Ed, Edgar Allan Poe was another one who uh, had the same sort of thing—a little
0: weird. Only I thought it was his cousin. It was his niece.
1: No, it was his cousin. But the the weirder part was she was like twelve at the time. Oh oh you know yeah, he was like 20 he was in his early 20s it's a little odd but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that definitely that definitely would, wouldn't fly today <laughs> no, <laughs> even that, back then it was it was a little weird and and they thought they that a deal had to be worked out with the parents because everyone did think that was a little weird and you can tell that even they thought it was a little weird because at first they didn't present themselves that way as a couple until she was a little bit older uh, um, edgar Allan poe so, and, and company yeah edgar okay. Allan poe was the yeah wow but but they again they had a uh incredibly happy relationship when you know, and when she died, he was—he's. Uh, she was thought to be the inspiration for a lot of his, you know, sad love poems like the Raven and whatnot. So, oh, well, there yeah, you go. Weird, but
0: yes, yes, indeed.
1: <laughs> moving away, f- well, moving away from the creepy to slightly less creepy. Yes, is the uh, let's so do she, that she kept. <laughs> she kept his his heart and wait, then cast no, it onto wait, her this hair. Is the
0: less creepy. <laughs> this We've gone from creepy really creepy, 20, creepy to slightly less creepy.
1: Yeah, this is less creepy than a twenty-some-year-old with the twelve-year-old. So yes, yes, it the, is. Uh, the, so so she keeps the heart she passes it on to the heirs and now you can actually see it still to this day about a oh. century later uh, it was donated to the national library of france who um, had the heart and at some point they had to there was like a weird smell issue with it and they had to sort of mm. take the thing down and um, fix that issue I assume it was decomposing a bit um, but yeah you can still go go there and see and see his
0: heart wow That's that would be speaking of uh, you know things we want to work on in the future mini documentaries we should yeah. go smell Voltaire's heart yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah apparently it doesn't smell anymore I think uh, they no, keep it encased in something I should just have it out on yeah. the chopping block or something <laughs> <laughs> just there's, there's the heart slightly decomposed or whatever but yeah as for his brain you might be uh, What? Where, where did his brain go and nobody knows oh. uh, at some point it was it was kept by the heirs for a while and then at some point there was some sort of auction or something and it got included with an auction for with some furniture and nobody (laughs) knows who bought it and what happened to the brain after after that so that's been lost to history unfortunately otherwise i've got a thousand swiss francs two
0: thousand swiss francs this beautiful set of chairs (laughs) and a brain three thousand swiss francs (laughs) uh swiss francs french (laughs) francs even yeah
3: Wow! So
1: this is kind of funny because Voltaire, of course, was was quite you know he critical of the French government, and yet they inadvertently managed to fund his entire career. And I think that's just kind of there's a, a kind of a funny irony in that. And uh, without that, he probably would never. We probably wouldn't remember him because he would have probably ended up in prison somewhere, and you know never heard from again.
0: That French uh, clerk slash finance minister really dropped the ball on this one. Although yeah. now we have Voltaire, so. it
1: worked. It worked out, in his great works, which are which are quite fun. I mean, his satire. Is great, uh, if, if you know, for people who haven't gone and read some. He actually has something crazy like a hundred and some, uh, he has so many letters, like 20,000 letters or something that have been bound in like a hundred and some volumes that you can just go read. Of just, and you have like everything from love letters to his thoughts on you know this and that, whatever political thing, his thoughts on philosophy. It's all you can go read them, they're online. He was insanely like, prolific,
0: right. I mean, yeah, just like with everything
1: just writing on everything and great sense of humor, great you know satire and extremely intelligent uh, with what he wrote. And so yeah, you can even write you can even read the love letters to his his, his
0: niece. Well, there you so, go, yeah. we're, we're back to creepy. <laughs> It's a, it's a real pleasure to start today's today's interview with someone who I was watching on YouTube before I did YouTube. I think uh, Craig uh, Benzine, who is known online as Wheezy Waiter, his YouTube channel, and by Craig Benzine, I suppose, on, on various other projects that he works on YouTube that we're going to get into today, was, uh, I think YouTube started for me watching Ali G clips that had been ripped off the BBC or whoever made Ali G, and then YouTubers became began making their own content, and then I discovered people like, like Craig, Craig, and then somehow, a few years later, I'm doing this myself and I'm talking to Craig with uh, Dave and also here. It's quite, quite surreal. Welcome, Craig. It's really great to have you.
2: It's great to be here. Thank you. And keep saying nice things about me. I, flattery will get you everywhere.
0: <laughs> well, I will begin then by saying... When you co- you commented on a video of mine, you probably don't remember because I also you know you comment on a bunch of people's videos as it goes. But that comment was a highlight for me because I was like, oh look, there he is commenting on a oh, on a thing that which, I made. Which
2: video? Which video was that? I don't, I don't even, even remember.
0: Know. It was so long ago. It was like a, maybe two years ago. But I was like, it was yes, something on one of your vlogs it was a or vlog. something. Like, wait, yeah. Huh? Yeah. I
2: have yeah. I have no mem- I have no idea what that was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a but big I'm deal sure- for
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: oh, yeah it, it might have been one of my clones actually that that commented.
0: Understandable. These things can happen in in your position with so many clones. <laughs> I... Right. Right. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, Craig has multiple clones who help him with his his YouTube channel, Wheezy Waiter, uh, which, if you plug into YouTube, you will find. What else? Uh, what else is are you working on now, Craig? I know you've done things for PBS and and all over the show, but it's kind of by the way of an introduction. Do you want to tell me a little bit about where you where you sit on YouTube today?
2: Uh, well, I'm kind of still doing the same thing. I've been doing Wheezy Waiter for ten and a half years now, yeah. and I I probably have like I don't know I haven't checked the count yet, but sixteen hundred some videos on that channel. That's mainly still what I do. Like I'm still still sometimes I do that every weekday. Sometimes I do it twice a week. I, I've been changing up my schedule, figuring it out as YouTube figures itself out. But I've also now I, I have another channel called The Good Stuff that I started four four or five years ago with a group of friends and it's more of an educational type channel. And also like it's sometimes it's educational, sometimes it's more like personal growth type channel. Like I did a I ran a marathon for that channel. <laughs> Uh, and we kind of documented the whole process. I, I went skydiving, flew like co with help, flew a small airplane. Uh, Basically that channel has made, made me a lot healthier as a human being. (laughs) And on that channel, we also went to area 51, the, the old biosphere, the, that Mm -hmm. in, if you remember from the nineties, we, we did that. So that channel's still going on, but it's, I'm, I'm more hands off on that. My friends are working on that. I'm doing a couple podcasts occasionally, (laughs) like uh, one with my wife called Story Not Story, which we tell bedtime stories we make up on the spot, And and a movie review one with my friend Jake just a couple of dudes talking about movies called Movied and nice. I've hosted lots of other things
0: nice Uh yeah we will link to this stuff in the in the <laughs> in the show notes for this also we put this on YouTube as well I know you do you put your uh, I've seen your bedside stories one on, on YouTube so we also upload this yeah. there and people can go across and it's all hopefully as easy to access, access uh, as possible one thing when I was doing this interview I liked and YouTube makes it really easy you can go back on people's things and put the like videos sorted by reverse chronological order so I went all the back and is it was it your first youtube video was apple picker that or was that not because that's a bizarre video oh, ap- I,
2: what, wait what's that one called <laughs> apple picker
0: it's a bunch of half-naked dudes in a oh, shower with oh. apples in their mouths <laughs> I, I,
2: I gotta ask like what's it about uh the, the, no the, i don't think that was my first one Actually, that was probably made before YouTube existed. But it was we did a bunch I did a bunch of videos with my band. I'm also in a band, which I didn't mention. <laughs> Driftless, Pony, Driftless Pony, Club. Pony Club. Yeah, and we did a bunch of video, a bunch of weird, very very weird sketch video. I guess you call them sketches around like like right around or right before YouTube actually came out, and mm-hmm. we were putting them up on our own website just for people to watch and one of those is apple picker that wasn't the first one but that was one of them and they're all very weird i think the goal was just to be as weird as possible it definitely Um, qualifies yeah and that channel is called sam bone jr uh and that was uh yeah that channel still exists i think it might be actually the band is called driftless pony club and i think we changed the name of the channel to Driftless Pony Club, but there's those old weird videos still exist. If you want to check, if you want to check those out, it it is fun um, to go
0: back at that that reverse chronological thing. Just makes it so easy. I mean, I I hate it in the it, as myself as a creator because people can just go back and uh, you know put it in reverse chronological order and see your first failings. and
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I hey, I, I think those were a wild success personally. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it. I mean it was it was we were just trying to be weird. Like back that was back mm-hmm. when you just uploaded things in obscure. And you didn't expect mm-hmm. like, like I didn't expect we didn't have any idea of what YouTube was because it didn't exist yet. You so, didn't
0: expect someone in, in 2018 to be going back and and looking. And it's in <laughs> it, you, you know it's old because it's in that uh, what was by before sixteen by nine like four by eight or six by some. I want to say like a six by four, but it's not uh, that. It's, uh,
2: I forgot. Sixteen by nine. No, four by doesn't...
0: three, I think. Yeah, I think it was four yeah, by three. Yeah. Four by three. Four by three. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's old when those black bars uh, are at the side nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: you were doing this, these videos back then, and then you started putting them on YouTube. Like, at what point did this start to become a business for you? Like, something you're like, hey, I could do this and make a living at this.
2: Well, I think uh, around 2007 is when I. That's when I started. 2007 is it when I started mm-hmm. uh, Wheezy Waiter? I was I I came across Zay Frank. If you know who that is. Mm -hmm. um he he's now like ceo of buzzfeed video but but he uh back in 2005 did a video every weekday for a year he was basically like one of the first ever to to do something like a vlog my format from the beginning was pretty very similar to what he did maybe a little weirder a little more humor a little more emphasis on humor less on anything else (laughs) But, (laughs) but uh and i thought i saw his videos and i'm like huh I think this is awesome. I'm really entertained by this. I think I can do this. I just started in 2007, but it took. I I had 100 videos, and I had 32 subscribers, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, because I I wasn't actually paying much attention to YouTube. I was I was putting stuff up on Blip as well as YouTube, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because that's where Zay Frank put stuff up on was Blip. What was Blip? I
1: I missed I missed that one. Yeah, I I totally don't know what Blip is. (laughs)
2: <laughs> blip.tv TV. It doesn't exist anymore. It it, uh-huh. it, it it did exist for a while, though. It it, it like at it least it was a first... blip
0: in the history. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now now looking back, yeah, that was a that was a bad name for it. Uh, no, I think it, it it was at least in the first five six years of YouTube, it was it was also around. But I, then I started paying attention to YouTube, and there was this um there was this also this blog called YouTube Reviewed, which was a mm-hmm. small blog, but a lot of people who had subscribers read it mm-hmm. and. I I messaged them and they're like hey, we like your videos and they did a whole article on me and then some other youtubers found it and tweeted about me And then I started to finally get subscribers after like two years of doing it with a hundred videos And then over the course of that 2000 I also like moved from being a waiter to working for a web development company doing video because of my videos Um, so I Mm -hmm. I actually had a a job doing video uh, because of you because of online video already, Mm -hmm. but it was still a boring office job, and I wanted to do YouTube full-time. <laughs> yeah. So so I continued doing it. And then over the course of a year, I gained, like, 16,000 subscribers. And then I gave an ultimatum at the beginning of... I think it was 2010. It might have been 2009. I gave an ultimatum. I said, if I can get 100,000 subscribers at the end of January, I will do a video every weekday the rest of the year. I'll do mm-hmm. one every weekday in January. And if at, if at the end I get 100,000, I'll do one for the rest of the year, every weekday. Mm-hmm. Some people... Promoted me because of that and tried to get me to there, but I ended up getting like forty thousand or something mm-hmm. by the end of January. So like more than doubled my subscribers. So I just continued doing it anyway. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then and then halfway through the year I was at around seventy thousand subscribers, and then I quit my job and did it full time. So that was like, twenty ten mm-hmm. I think, and I've been doing it full time since. And nice. It, and then it grew a lot through twenty twelve, and then and then it was kind of that was kind of the peak, <laughs> and then but. <laughs> And then it's been like kind of a decline since then, but still able, very much able to do this full time.
0: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And when mm-hmm. did the other stuff come on your radar? I mean, the good stuff is is something you know I enjoyed particularly when when you were doing it. Still enjoy it today. When did, is that something that came about? Because pretty obvious question. It's got like oh, you have got to have been doing your successful channel, and they were like, "Hey, uh, you want to do something with?" <laughs> you started it then, because it was was it in collaboration with PBS originally or? was it no, something you kicked actu- off and then they came on later
2: It was actually in collaboration with Google. Uh, oh. Google mm-hmm. w- they were they they were doing their premium channels where they they mm-hmm. gave people a bunch of they didn't I wasn't a premium channel. Though I didn't didn't get nearly that much money. They were giving out like million dollar budgets to people to start YouTube channels. Like that's Whoa, how Crash mm-hmm. Course started. That's how SciShow started, that's how, um, I believe, Rhett and Link, Good Mythical Morning, how mm-hmm. SourceFed, all of those, they started because YouTube gave them money. Google gave them money to start their to start channels. Gave, like, Philip DeFranco money, gave Hank Green and John Green money. Did mm-hmm. you know that? No, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah.
0: just wrote it. We've got this, like, yeah. you know, the Google Drive thing where you can share a document, yeah. and I just wrote, whoa, and bolded it. <laughs> I had no idea. That's crazy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I I mean to, that was like all over the place back then. I mean I feel like an old man now that that's common knowledge to me, but it's not to you guys. Yeah, there are a lot it's of like, channels that started. A lot of them. A lot of them ended up failing. But like mm-hmm. SourceFed, what lasted a while, but did end eventually fail recently. But mm-hmm. um, but like Crash Course is going going strong and SciShow and all those. Mm-hmm. My channel was like a smaller version of that. It was like uh, they were. It was more like we we want to we're trying out new formats and we want to see how they work it's sort of like a study they were doing i offered up the idea of the good stuff which was you know this american life the podcast yeah Yeah, the podcast yeah uh i know you're not american well you well at least simon isn't but uh, (laughs) this american life uh definitely ranks you know
0: in the in the top 10 even in the uk i imagine
2: yeah yeah (laughs) um well i was i wanted to do something that was like the format of that for youtube so that's how it started it was like a series of five videos around a topic and put into a playlist and so they gave me not a lot of money but uh, a tiny budget to to start that so then i got my friends together and we we started that channel and it did fine for a few years but then they were gonna they were gonna weren't gonna fund it anymore so then i got i talked to pbs and they funded it for pbs digital funded it for a year um and we did and we did that's probably that was probably the the as far as it was the best budget we had for for videos on that (laughs) channel for a while um and then they're not they're no longer funding it so now it's just us and patreon basically yeah and it and it's it's more it's much looser that format doesn't exist anymore it's just sort of whatever we find interesting and we were gonna do a video about um but yeah still going still going on yeah, everything. It's, every every answer I'm going to give is going to be long and complicated. Sorry, that's <laughs> it's perfectly fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're the best types of best types of answers. Yeah, so like so. Uh, what have you done with what was the good stuff? It, it was a show. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rather, it, I mean, you, you speak there like about doing the things that you you know what what you find interesting and going out to make a video about it i think like mm-hmm. uh, our channel sort of started taking off last year i think was when things started going well mm-hmm. and now it's what we found i mean we haven't you know got any uh got a, a backer behind us or anything but having the money coming mm-hmm. in from that is like so cool we can go and do things like we're going to vidcon well david's leaving in like an hour and a half and i'm leaving yeah. uh, in two <laughs> days because it's a little closer for me david's coming in a day early to get over his jet oh,
2: lag oh, they- Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, mid-ton? yeah. The one in Amsterdam. Yeah, I thought you were. Yeah. I thought you're going a little early to <laughs> Anaheim guys. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Gotta get acclimated, you know yeah yeah it's a really long <laughs> flight yeah um oh geez
0: and just cool how we can you know now that we can we can go do that and we've got like two sort of we keep calling them mini documentaries <laughs> and people yeah. like, the comments are like they're making a drinking game on this podcast about how many times simon says mini documentary in an episode so uh, i have i have to bring it up <laughs> yeah.
2: yes I, uh, i'll it, play i'll play along i'll play along
0: I just how many times we can uh, mention it, but it's so great to be able to go and do this stuff. And I think that's one of the best things, at least for me about being a YouTuber, getting to go and do all this, Mm -hmm. all this fun stuff. Well,
2: when you're, when you get to be my, my age and and doing this for 10 years, conferences like Playlist and VidCon become like family reunions. It's like, it's (laughs) like. Yeah, a lot of my friends I only see at these conferences, and mm-hmm. it's it's really that's uh, seeing meeting people who watch and then seeing friends who make videos is the best mm-hmm. thing about it. Is the best thing about those conferences.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think like this is this will be my first one. I've never
2: been to the one. Yeah, in me as well. Um, yeah. I've been to ten of them. <laughs> wow what was it like well though? is that all, of, well, is that all well, of them i don't i don't know if i have was been I've been, I've, I've been to all of them i don't remember how yeah. I don't know how many it is I, well i haven't been to yeah. the ones outside of anaheim i i've just been to the anaheim ones i won't be <laughs> at amsterdam sorry it's a disappointment but
0: no I'm, I'm looking forward to it nonetheless despite you not being there but slightly less mm. now just kind of you mentioned there you know youtube friends and stuff you've done a lot of collaborations with with different people i always you know you've done mm. stuff i saw your uh on your Weezy Waiter channel, where you were touring with your bands and and uh, the, the famous Hank Green. Speaking of VidCon, there he was in your in <laughs> yeah. your in your things. When you were doing these collaborations, how did you you know how did you build these relationships and how did you meet with these people? Was it just kind of being there at the early VidCons? Were they kind of a smaller affair back then? Because now it's like I don't know how many people go to Anaheim. Is it in the? It's got to be in the thousands or tens of thousands now. I don't even know.
2: Uh, yeah, it's tens <laughs> of thousands. Um, it started with I think. Five, uh, six thousand, five or six thousand was the first Mm -hmm. VidCon, or maybe it was even less than that. Yeah, and it was a tiny affair, and it was it was awesome. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's gotten really big and confusing now. It's still great. It's still worth it for for me to go to it anyway. Uh, How do I? How did I meet? these people I guess all these people I collaborate with I think it's probably because of because it was a smaller clo- tighter-knit community at the beginning of YouTube I suppose everyone kind of knew who everyone was I remember that going to the first VidCon and being so excited to see people that I knew on YouTube and then even more excited that they knew who I was it was like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> yeah uh, like I'm when I first met Freddie W he, he he does a lot of like computer mm-hmm. animated stuff he knew who i was and i was just that was the most exciting thing it was like my mo- the most exciting day of my life i was like oh my god <laughs> um but i think well with hank and john green the vlog brothers who started vidcon they uh, i I'd, I'd actually known them since before vidcon i've i they were kind of early on people who helped me my channel grow because mm-hmm. they promoted me because they because i i messaged their their fans, who they call nerdfighters, fighters, found mm-hmm. found my a, a bunch of them found my channel and were like were subscribing and I kept seeing the word nerdfighter everywhere. I'm like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Mm. And so I messaged I messaged John Green. I just sent him a YouTube message <laughs> through the YouTube message system, and I said, hey, these nerdfighters fighters are finding me and they like what I do and blah blah blah. And he responded and he and he and he liked it too. And and since then they've been like they've been my friends. So it's mm-hmm. like way way back when. So that's how I. I got, got involved with the Vlogbrothers, I guess. And now I've hosted Crash Course with them. And it, it's been a good... It's mostly... It's not really a business relationship. They're just friends. I, I feel mm-hmm. like they're just friends. But then, like, other people, like... Uh, I've collaborated with Julian Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. if, do you know who that is? <laughs> yeah. i not familiar. Uh, I mean, there was a time when I could say that. And I would be confident that everyone knew who, <laughs> who, who he was. <laughs> There's just so many so many more channels now. And, yeah. and he yeah. doesn't make stuff as much anymore. And a lot of the people that I used to collaborate collaborate with don't make a lot of stuff anymore. Um, I think uh, the way but,
0: YouTube's changed. I mean, even in the time we've done it, that kind of forcing—if you're not making a ton of stuff, you're just going to get pushed down by the people who are mm-hmm. making a ton of stuff. It's it, mm-hmm. it can be tough for people to get exposure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think it's just like these people contacted me to collaborate because of the because it was so small and people knew everyone knew mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah, Charlie Charlie like He's a big British YouTuber. Charlie oh, yeah. is cool-like. I've heard of him. Or, or he was. He was. He's not making stuff anymore. There was a big moment for me when he uh, at VidCon. He was on stage and he said, "Who do you want to collaborate with?" And he said, "Me." Wow. Wheezy Waiter. And since then, like a lot of people have commented to me about that. They're like, "I first heard about you when Charlie at VidCon said said mm-hmm. who said your name." And and so he was a big help for me. I think it's. I think it was just because it was a small, tightly knit community. And nowadays, it's like people will ask to collab with me and I will, I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'll check them out and I usually like them, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, they're just too many to know, yeah.
0: know. Do you think the community, like that tight-knit community has been lost? Is there any, I don't know, like it feels like you say, there's so many channels, there's so much uh, noise in a way that it's really like i don't know i i i feel like we came into this later and we don't yeah. have we, we've got a few people we collaborate with but it's often just like mm-hmm. it's a, a lot of noise and a lot of people emailing and do you think like yeah. the, that 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 community spirit has been lost
2: yeah i think it's it's just it's different it's like there's too many now now when you say that you make youtube videos you have no idea what the person means it could be it could be many it could be many different types of things and they could have millions of subscribers and you You've never heard of them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh that's so weird to me. Because back in the day when I remember when Charlie, when Vlogbrothers and Charlie is so cool, like hit a hundred thousand subscribers, or when mm-hmm. Philip DeFranco hit a hundred thousand. I'm like, That's so many. That's yeah. so huge.
0: <laughs> it's a huge and number of to people. To me, that was
2: like they were huge celebrities to me. Yeah. And now I come across a channel with 5, 10 million subscribers, and I'm like, who? I don't I don't know who this is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that. Yeah, obviously there's something lost in the tight knit community, but I think ultimately it's it's a good thing. I think it's it's probably better now because there are more people making a living and making a success out of YouTube. I think that's probably ultimately a better thing than just a few the the few elite people making a living.
0: Mm-hmm. I've I've certainly found like some you know it would be like, oh yeah, I I make I make videos, and they're like, oh, you must know this person, and I'm like. (laughs) who with the what and what do they do and it's like well they make videos about something that i've never heard of and it's like they've got six million subscribers it's like oh okay
2: good (laughs) uh it's just weird it's also very confusing and i don't and it's kind of i used to think i could i could somewhat have an idea what the future was going to be like and now i have no idea i have no idea what what this means for the future of entertainment and how we how we get our information and and make a living and doing this i have no idea
1: how do you how do you manage that with the you know could you make a living at this and it's changing all the time and you've been around you know for pretty much since the beginning so how over time have you managed that to make it keep making you a living while it's completely changing
2: right now i mean i've i've just compared to other people who do this usually i feel like i've made i make more content (laughs) i make Mm -hmm. more than a lot of people do like a lot of people Mm -hmm. have make like one a week or one a month Mm-hmm. I've, if I make one a week, which I, well, late, the past few weeks I've been making one a week because we just moved and, and I had a baby. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, <laughs> by uh, the <either> way. <laughs> well, th- thank you. But that's like, I feel guilty making one a week. Like I usually make at least two, often three. And then there are periods of time where I make them every weekday. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like because I make a lot of content, I've developed over 10 years, I've developed a very uh, loyal base of people who will watch and who know me and mm-hmm. who are who are really just a really good audience really good nice mm-hmm. friendly audience because i've been honest with them they're honest and nice with me so patreon has been very helpful uh mm-hmm. because because of all of those reasons so patreon and then occasional sponsors and i'm doing fine and i also don't i don't live uh like royalty so <laughs> so <laughs> i'm fine i don't i don't have a lot of expenses
0: I, wanna, I wanted to ask, like you mentioned there about your audience and kind of the, the loyal people who keep coming back. One thing that's uh, given, you know, made me a constant fan over, you know, the, the years that I've watched is the comedy that you work in to your videos. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like as a British person, I think we like this kind of slightly absurdist kind of, I, I I don't know, like there's a lot of American comedy, which seems to be more in your face than yours, which is kind of a more subtle, almost British comedy thing i'm just wondering go on
2: i actually i prefer british comedy just personally i like i feel like and it's not it was never a conscious thing i think i just i just naturally like that kind of humor and i I didn't even Mm -hmm. realize it until until i discovered so many british people liked my videos yeah Uh, (laughs) like i just thought i was i just had weird absurd humor but it turns out i have weird absurd british humor
0: so. there's a whole nation of people <laughs> with absurd humor so. <laughs> yeah I, I,
2: right I, I think it's i think it's more than just british i think it's a lot of countries outside of america like like australian humor and new zealand humor to me is pretty similar to british humor yeah um mm-hmm. and i have a lot of people who like me from there too i've actually i i there's been indication that i have a lot of people from russia who like oh. who like me <laughs> which is weird yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know anything about Russian humor, I got to say, but uh,
2: <laughs> no, um, uh, I just do what I do. I just do what I do. I'm not consciously trying to appeal to anyone.
0: There's a there's a big difference in my eyes, like because I, I like comedy, but then I'm aware that, you know, mm. I'm not necessarily hilarious, but you <laughs> are always funny. And I'm kind of like, did you at a pretty crazy, like really frequent rate?
1: The the rate you turn out the videos, like you said, it's amazing like with your skits and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I think you, it,
0: you come uh, up with a lot of good jokes.
2: <laughs> well, I've always been, my whole life, my dad has always been a very silly person. He makes jokes about everything. Like, nothing is serious. I, I have a problem actually being serious, I think, in serious in serious <laughs> moments. My whole life, I've always made jokes. And I think part of it was part of it was the classic reasons you make jokes, to hide from anything real, to hide yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you just, you, you make jokes. And it's just, be- over my whole life, it's just become a natural thing. Like, I'm always, my mind is always... Oh, Always first going for the joke, like this. What's Mm -hmm. funny about this? What's funny about that? And uh, (laughs) it's
0: like brilliant for coming up with YouTube videos awkward at
3: funerals
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly in everyday conversation like this i can be very serious i can like right now i'm not telling jokes all the time but Mm -hmm. and i think maybe as i've gotten older i've become a little more serious in normal conversation but when i'm making a video i it has to have a it feels like it's not right if it doesn't have a joke like at a certain Mm -hmm. moment and i it's just a natural thing that i that i do uh and i don't know Sometimes I think I go too far with it. Sometimes I think that's too that's too many jokes. People need some kind of seriousness, some kind of seriousness here.
0: What I what I like is and I think the way it, it's kind of similar to to go for American comedy though, but to a sitcom where it's like if it's funny all the time, <laughs> when something serious happens, people take it way more seriously. Like if you're watching the news right. and someone's like this is so serious. This is so serious. It's like, yeah, but you're pulling the serious card every night. But when it's a comedy <laughs> thing and then you have something to say about something, then it's like, oh wow, Craig's actually serious about this, and it's like that means it's sort of like a real thing that it has far more impact when you don't play the serious card all the time, which, uh, again, yeah. adds that adds that edge.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I'll, I'll keep making the jokes then. Right, now, lately I've been kind of uh, this is this is the this is gonna be my own personal therapy session now. Lately, I. <laughs> Uh, I've been kind of struggling with what to do next because YouTube is such a big, confusing place now. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, it seems like the things that do well on YouTube lately are more specific things—things things that are e- consistent and specific about a topic. Like, uh, uh, you got well, your channel, one of your channels today, I found out, mm-hmm. very—it's a specific thing. I mean, it's it—it it has a broad range of topics, but it's mm-hmm. specifically this is a weird fact about the world, <laughs> and, and <laughs> then you, and then you talk about it. And, or like, uh, there's channels where it's like, or like, um, fact-based like list channels. There's always, we're going to do a list of things. We're going to yeah. do a list of things or what's in or like unboxing videos or like, and, and the channel is all about that one thing. My channel has always been about everything. <laughs> it's, it's been whatever I want to do that day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do an unboxing video, but it's going to yeah. have a wheezy, well, wheezy quality to it. And it's just going to be weird and funny and not serious. And there's going to be nothing real about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um uh and I'm I struggle with do I want to go do do I want to have a weekly s- segment where I do unboxing videos or or, or a sketch comedy or you know or do I do I want to get consistent in that way and then I try mm-hmm. things and I'm like yeah this is fun I don't want to do it anymore and then I'll try something else you mm-hmm. know and I'm just kind of all over the place and I think that's why my channel is stays where it is these days mm-hmm. you know Th- there's no room for growth
1: so but I think that's also like the strength because while I mean well, you do do a lot of different things it's like I always know when I click on one of your videos I'm going to be entertained in some way you know like whether it's going to be funny or you know yeah, I mean it's always going to be funny but you know. It, it, there's always going to be that element of entertainment. So I just know like that's an entertaining one when I'm having a tea break or whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of like, it, it's a niche in a way, even though it's like really broad. Flattery will get
0: you everywhere. I, I um, 100% yeah. seriously would watch you unboxing things. If you made jokes. Yeah, that would be hilarious. Said things. We, <laughs> yeah. uh, David, and I had a conversation like two, uh, a lengthy conversation about how we should definitely start an unboxing channel. Just so companies will send us all the cool technology that we end up spending <laughs> so much money on.
2: <laughs> just
3: because right, right. that's how I it mean, works, one... right?
2: <laughs> oh it is actually probably well another problem is i actually don't like having a lot of things i don't i don't if we're, if we're talking unboxing specifically like uh i would i would probably like it for like a month and then i'd be like i don't want all this stuff i want to get rid of this stuff and really? it would be i would feel like i'm lying to people if i'm, I'm pretending <laughs> to be excited about getting things like opening stuff up because I don't, I don't really need anything. I'm, I'm happy, yeah. guys. I'm happy. I've,
0: I've got an angle. I've got an angle for this. We could brainstorm a yeah. whole new YouTube channel right now. It's called The yeah. Boxing Channel, where <laughs> instead of <laughs> unboxing things,
2: yes! you box your
0: things and give them away yes! to, to charities or, or like anything could come oh, in. That's
2: beautiful. That well, you do, beautiful.
0: You could do both, like Monday unboxing, yeah. Friday boxing up, and sending off to whichever charity. Yeah.
2: That is yeah. wonderful. I, I bet it's a, it's too good of an idea. It's probably already been done. Let's, someone's probably doing it. Let's
0: YouTube <laughs> Google it right now. The boxing channel. Weird, <laughs> the that's boxing that's, channel. Not gonna that's not going to be Google. That's not going to be YouTube Googleable. Which is what no, I call cause searching on YouTube because you're just going to get people punching each other in the face. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Pugilists. Yeah. The
0: reboxing uh, channel.
2: I, I still like boxing. I still like it. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> See, that's why. That's why. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not
0: successful. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait! Uh, yeah. It'll be the ultimate. You know, you've made it when you type in to Google boxing, and the number one result is your channel, rather than something related to the sport of boxing.
2: High, higher, higher than Rocky, or higher than who's the who's the latest famous boxer? I don't, I don't even know.
0: There was a dude who was not a boxer who was fighting a boxer. Um, I really know nothing about this. Apparently. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. me neither
0: I know the boxer won But then even the guy who lost Walked away with hundreds of millions of dollars And then I thought I was in the wrong business And then I went back to work yeah. yeah,
2: but then you would have to be punched in the face a bunch of times. Yeah, it'd, yeah. it. it'd probably be worth it. Yeah, I think mm. it's like,
0: if it was one fight, I'd do it. I mean, one concussion's not too bad. I think it's that, like, years of getting to the point where someone's yeah. going to pay
2: you hundreds of millions to lose a fight. One concussion's not too bad. I got no. you. I'm gonna <laughs> so, quote, you. You should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> one
0: concussion's not too bad, and we're just handed out to boxers, and uh, it's, you don't build a career that way. Speaking of t-shirts, you, you also, you know, as well as, uh, as Patreon and all of these, you know, you were working with BBS, you did something with Google on... Obviously, there's the YouTube ads as well. Um, I know you've done, you you still do merch. I, 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 I remember you had trainers back in the day, which I thought was the coolest thing yeah. ever. Are you still doing trainers? I would
2: buy uh, some no, trainers. No, I had, I had, yeah, I had wheezy shoes. Um,
0: sorry, we call them trainers. I, I'm, uh, plimps uh, yeah. Tennis shoes, tennis shoes.
2: Tennis shoes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew what you meant, though. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I realize I, I was that it hoping, doesn't always
0: translate, yeah.
2: I was hoping I knew what you meant. Uh, but Because uh, if you were yeah, doing right, wheezy
0: right, pants, we would... We would be, you know, that that's underwear by us. So, you know, this <laughs> <thing>. <laughs>
2: Yeah. That was probably my favorite piece of merch I ever did was the Wheezy Shoes. But they don't, you can't get them anymore. But they were, it was a company, a small company called Tweak. And I, they might still be doing, they might still be around doing stuff. But they, uh, they got Rhett and Link to do shoes. And then they got me and then some other YouTubers. And it was, I had, uh, there was like a hidden place in the shoes for... Oh, there, there are some secrets about the shoes. Like if you removed the bottom so- inside sole, there was like a crushed eagle underneath. There was a picture of a crushed eagle. <laughs> yeah. I just hit my mic
0: stands with exclamation of coolness. If anyone heard that that rumble,
2: yeah, yeah, they were cool shoes. And I had I had a couple pairs, but I wore them out. I don't I don't have them anymore. Oh no! I don't I don't I don't not like don't, a fresh pair in a keep, box. Mm, I just don't keep things, guys. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a minimalist. I just get rid of stuff. Mm-hmm. See, this is my new office. I'm showing you. This isn't going to work on podcast, but it's, uh, yeah. it's a big empty room right now pretty much a nice
0: i used i used to be a lot more minimalist until it was like oh yeah you need like a an an ipad for a teleprompter and then like a camera and then like a tripod and then lights and then it's like oh you don't want to constantly be taking one camera to the other tripod to shoot another (laughs) thing and so then you get another camera and another tripod and another teleprompter and
2: i didn't show you the part of the room over there which has the light (laughs) my my, well the light is in the closet and then I have several small tripods. I have two cameras. One of them is being fixed, so I have Oops. equipment. But it's actually a pretty small amount of equipment. For I only have one light, and uh, I don't have a teleprompter. I never used. I've never used a teleprompter. I have for Crash Course, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I still try to keep it as minimal as. And when I get new equipment, I try to sell the old equipment because I just don't like having piles of stuff. I just don't mm-hmm. don't like it. Mm-hmm. yes
0: i i i I am the same way. like big cupboards filled with stuff that people never use just feels like a weight on me, and then also like I have a big problem with the waste like if there's an old camera mm. sitting there, it's like I feel like someone should be as uh, the money also for selling it's obviously a bonus, but it's also like that mm. waste that that wasted utility the fact that that camera's sitting yeah. there that someone who is not me would really like to use
2: yeah, and I'm mm. thinking about I do have a uh, I have a GoPro and another small camera okay. I I have two GoPros. I have I have a friend who worked worked for GoPro who sent me GoPros. Oh. So so I have stuff that people give me. I probably never would have bought it, but and it's it's a good problem to have. I guess I shouldn't be I shouldn't be complaining.
0: <laughs> well, it's a good. You could do this. This could be your first video for your uh, boxing channel. My, the, yes.
2: The... Yes. Box up the. But the problem is I don't want to box up gifts <laughs> from people oh, yeah. like. like <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, yeah. <laughs> My friend gave me this through him. <laughs> this
0: yeah. Changing tack a little bit. I mean, we've already talked mm-hmm. a bit about, you know, gear and YouTube and how it's changed over over the years. I mean, 10 years ago is a really different time, especially, you know, with regards to community. Is there anything mm-hmm. that, that you found? What What do you think's changed the most? Is it, you know, I always think now shooting and I wasn't doing video 10 years ago, but the fact that a drone is basically what a helicopter and a camera crew used to do 10 years ago like i love the tv show top gear i don't know if you've you've ever seen this but it's this british show where these I guys have. Yeah, and it's just the most beautifully <laughs> shot thing. And it's just they're they're filming yeah. these cars from like helicopters, and it's like now I'm shooting on this this. Of, one thing I have is this this the the Mavic drone. It's like it fits in your hand, and it's shooting four K yeah. video like a camera crew and a helicopter would need. And then there's this the recent thing I discovered is a DJI Osmo, which is basically a steady cam that you hold in your hand, and it just makes everything look amazing.
2: It, it, yeah. So for me, it's, it's like like a. a a glide cam? You know what those are? I do sounds not know. Similar what that is. To a gl- it sounds like the same thing or a similar thing. Glide cam. It's mm-hmm. like a it's like a, a pole, but then it it you balance the the camera balances on the end in some mm-hmm. way and, yeah. and you can kinda just move around. It's like very steady. Yes. Yeah. It
0: is it is this, like with a gyro or whatever it is on there. It was -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that I think's like changed enormously. Um, what what do you think? What's the biggest thing that you or what what do you think has changed most notably? You know, because you've been in this space for so long.
2: I would say, okay, everything has changed. Everything's gotten better and easier. But Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the most profound change uh, happened happened early on, I think, which is like when I when I first started doing video, when I first started like turning the camera around and pointing it at myself. And walking around Mm -hmm. it felt weird it felt like i am a freak of nature i'm pointing a camera at (laughs) myself and walking around who does that no one does that Mm -hmm. now everyone does that because everyone has the the for the back facing camera on their phone everyone has a phone that can just point right at them very easily and now it's incredibly normal. It's an incredibly normal thing, yeah. and I mm-hmm. feel like that's that's simply the most profound change. And it's because of the phone, I think. It's because of the camera in the phone. And that was just beginning when I started. So it, it so it happened early on, but now it's much more widespread. And now it's pretty common to see people with selfie sticks walking around. Like if you go to like some tourist area, people are walking around with selfie sticks and pointing directly back at them. So just the culture of shooting video of you talking to a camera has become so normal it's become so uh expected and common and i don't like it (laughs) i don't i don't don't like i don't like that it has become common because i took a big risk doing that i felt like i was i was like i was like here
0: in 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 (laughs) awkward things in public
2: i yeah i felt like no one's doing this because it's weird i have the courage to do this i'm gonna do this And no one else is going to do it, you know, but no, people do it. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) does it.
0: I still don't see too many people walking around and openly addressing the camera. Like people take photos of themselves. Yeah. Maybe it's just, uh, I don't know, I live in Prague in in the Czech Republic, but also when I'm in the UK. And there's plenty of people pointing cameras and getting their friends in and taking a picture. But I still don't see too many people like wearing a lav mic or they've got the the, the big road thing and just like, hi, welcome to...
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I do see it happen, but it but it it's it's not that often. That's true. It is more common especially still photography. Still photographs of yourself, like yeah. that selfies, I guess. Those didn't exist. People didn't just turn the camera around on themselves and take a still photograph. They they with something behind them because they couldn't see what was behind they couldn't see the if they were getting themselves in it properly, so they wouldn't do it. Um, so that's that's become more common. I did see the other day walking around my neighborhood with the dog. I did see someone with their phone talking to it, like outside their house, just like like talk. And I don't think they were on the phone. I think they were recording. I don't think they were talking to just one person. I think they were recording something. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's someday it's gonna be everywhere. It's gonna be all over the place. Everyone's gonna be a vlogger like a
0: black mirror uh, episode almost well, I mean, yeah and if you, <laughs> if you look don't at, do like, it it'll be weird
2: <laughs> yeah if you look at like the number one profession kids want to be it's a vlogger yeah. uh, mm-hmm. or like a youtuber and i just think that's bad i think that's wrong uh <laughs> i because it's not sustainable it's not gonna there's not enough to there's not enough bandwidth for everyone to be doing it i just there's not going to be enough people to watch it we know? need we need kids mm-hmm.
0: who still want to be doctors and architects and soldiers <laughs> and <stuff>. yeah
2: that's. <laughs> That's true too, yes. I felt like such um, an old
0: man when I read that. I, the one I read was a, a British survey of kids and it was like YouTuber was the number one. I was like, when I was a lad, it was, you wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> it's like, wow, I am an yeah. old man. What happened?
2: <laughs> right. I, I, and I do think, I think you're going to have to truly, truly love this. In order to make it work, because you're gonna have you're gonna have to work hard if you're gonna want to be successful at this. I mean, come on, you guys you guys work hard, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure.
0: <laughs> I, no, I basically I roll in at about eleven. Then I then I have a coffee yeah. and then I take some lunch and then I'm usually yeah. out by two.
1: Yeah. according <laughs> according to youtube commenters i just mostly just go to wikipedia and then just read a couple paragraphs and you know copy it in my own words apparently sure
2: so yeah sure. it's quite it's quite easy even if you were just doing that doing that for like five <laughs> years would would start to feel very tedious it would start to yeah. feel pretty pretty hard it's not it's not all it's not all fun kids it's not all fun
0: <laughs> no no neither is being a doctor so, um, or an architect though
2: yeah no no True. Neither is doing anything really. Everything's got its downside. Uh, (laughs)
0: This conversation took a turn for the darker of life's (laughs) reality. Yeah. Yeah. You just
2: gotta accept. You gotta accept. Everything has a downside. But the. But. Working even hard even your will dream you job a reward.
1: So for all those all those kids wanting to be YouTubers, what would you like? Someone starting out just today, what would you say they should do? Like, what should they focus on, or um, that sort of thing? Um,
2: I think I would focus on not being a jerk. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, figure out what it is you want to do. Like, a channel like mine probably won't work anymore. Just a channel that's built around a personality, basically. Um, unless your personality is like really in your face and obnoxious uh yeah i don't think i don't think it'll work i think you should probably find uh, what's what was i gonna say (laughs) you you should you should uh all aspects of production not just being a personality in front of a camera try to figure out what what learn about shot composition learn about video editing learn about learn about lighting and and all all the other aspects because i think a lot of people when they see when they see the when they want to do this, they, they're seeing the prominent people who are holding cameras and walking around and not doing anything. They are there's a lot of editing involved, even in those, the channels that you love that seem like it, there isn't. That seems like mm-hmm. it's just a person talking to a camera. Mm. There's a lot more involved. There's a lot of SEO involved. There's a lot of probably a lot of email campaigns like to blogs and things to get to get prominent. So you're gonna have to. Don't don't think that this is just about being a personality in front of a camera, because then mm-hmm. you're just you, what you really want. Then is just to be an actor. Yeah, <laughs> I, you, you know. I
0: don't know. I often I often think like one of the biggest hidden things in videos that I really didn't appreciate and really realized is enormously challenging is story like coming up with something interesting like you can make your videos the most beautiful things in the world but if there's not yeah. a story there if there's something not interesting happening
2: that's what I remember that's what I was going to say I was going to say uh you're welcome it has to be thank you <laughs> it was it was going to be a it has to be about something it has to be about something other than just you and yes. just <laughs> and just think you have to find a purpose you have to find a reason to be doing this and that's something i struggle with pretty often these days after 10 years of doing this is like what's like sometimes i'll think maybe i should just do fitness stuff so that i can inspire people to be healthier and i do that sometimes and it's fun but that's not what i want to do forever and so, yeah, you need to find a specific purpose. Uh, give people a reason to watch your videos other than you're an interesting, funny person. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. a lot, everyone is interesting in their own way.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Speak, speaking to that, I mean, we spoke about it a little bit earlier. What is there anything you, you're thinking of like moving into now or is it kind of still very much early thought processes and just, this is more personal interest. Uh, and if you don't want to share, you don't have to at all. It's like, if you've got well, some genius, like the boxing thing, like oh, I wouldn't no, want to share the genius of that because someone We'll take
2: it. <laughs> uh, I will tell you every. I will tell you everything. Usually, like to me, the 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 success of something really has less to do. Well, sometimes it has to do with the idea itself, but it usually has mm. to do with the execution of the idea. So I can tell you the idea, and you might think, "Well, I'm going to go do that," but then you have to go do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but like I have so, I have several I, I have several ideas. Usually, the struggle is how much work it will take, how much time it will take to do something. And will I be able to have the energy to sustain it? Um, Mm -hmm. Because having a baby now (laughs) that, that that generally that changes my focus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I've been watching a lot of, uh, this is something that I've been just been wanting to do for a while. It's basically Wheezy Waiter, just what it's always been just more organized, more tightly scheduled, more tightly structured like uh do you, you ever watch comedy bang bang that well there's the podcast comedy bang bang and then there's the show which is like absurd uh talk show it's like a it's like they make fun of the idea of a talk show and then they go off on these very bizarre sketches and very it just goes off and i i kind of want to do something like that just in the wheezy verse just more go back to what i used to do recurring characters recurring things just better produced <laughs> basically <laughs> Uh, and figuring out how I can manage my time to be able to do that on a regular basis. And resist the urge to tr- just try to put something up all the time. Like I think my, my inclination is always to uh, oh, I haven't put something up in a while. I should, I should get this done and get it up. Like I should do I need to do three videos a week uh, yeah. or they're gonna mm-hmm. everyone's gonna forget about me and I'm, I'm gonna die alone uh but uh
0: taking a turn for the dark again
2: <laughs> yeah right i mean cause it's like back, your dream job
0: will the... suck and you will die alone <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening yeah. everybody
2: well yeah, <laughs> easy way exactly yeah well back when it start back when youtube started that was what worked was putting putting up more stuff if you put up more than hmm. someone else and it was reasonably edited if you competently put together you were going to be more successful because you're going to be more visible you were just there's just more but now there's just too much out there that that doesn't work. It has to be, there has mm-hmm. to be some sort of other magic. I don't know what works now. I, I, I really don't know. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question at all or if I just rambled a bit, but that uh, that's what I'm thinking right now.
0: No, you, you you did answer. I appreciate it. I was just thinking like related to that, that idea of what's a negative driver and what's a positive driver? Because like with our schedule, we're putting out a video six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, depending on how lazy I'm feeling on Sunday. And it's like, <laughs> in a way, like like you say, it's kind of like, that's a as good as it is to have the schedule it's a negative driver it's kind of like it's something i have to do mm-hmm. not something that i i mean i not want not have you know it's it's more complicated than that yeah. but it's not a positive like but then we're going to amsterdam and it's like making these documentaries mini documentaries take a shot everybody is like a new mm-hmm. A new thing, and that's like a much more positive thing for me. And I'm like, I'm really looking forward to trying out new things and mm-hmm. doing things like that. And and I, I guess like learning. Sorry, now we're into my therapy session. <laughs> this is yeah, yeah. an interview with. Yeah, Craig. well, you know
2: that that's the problem, though. It's like you. I think the most often, the most exciting thing about a project is the beginning of the project. It's like when yeah. you start, you're like, this is exciting. We're gonna find out what happens if oh, you man, do it for so years. <laughs> Yeah, but if you do it for years, then it's like, oh, okay, I know everything that's to expect now. It's like yeah. it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of boring. You have to keep it fresh somehow. And so, I was watching Comedy Bang Bang and I was like, I'm this is bizarre and absurd and not everyone likes it. I'm sure this isn't mm-hmm. for everyone. Uh I love this and I'm in, and it's there's nothing necessarily groundbreaking about it it's just a bunch of sketches and it's just a bunch of people being silly but i'm very entertained watch seeing how far and absurd they take this wherever they're mm-hmm. going with this yeah and and i think i could i sh- i need to i need i want to do that i want to do more of that and i want to remind myself while i'm doing it that people are going to like it because it's hard to mm-hmm. remember after doing this for so long everything seemed nothing seems new anymore so it's like mm-hmm. I have to remind myself. It doesn't matter. It's still fun. It's still it's still entertaining. You know. Mm-hmm. And
0: I think I, I don't know. Like I feel I I recently took an improv class because I was like <laughs> I'd like to be more funny. And it's like even when it's even if it doesn't land, it's still fun doing it. And it's still I don't know. It gets you out of that comfort zone. It's trying something new. It's it, it's one of those things. Even if it mm-hmm. fails. Uh, at least you tried you know at least you you had a crack right. at something and
2: i have i mean i'm very fortunate that i have the the base of patreon patreon supporters and yeah. just regular and just youtube supporters so that if i if i do fail it's not going to be that colossal of a, <laughs> of a failure unless i unless i offend a bunch of people and you mm. know <laughs> and fail in that way but uh, honestly i don't think i <laughs> judging
0: by what we've seen on youtube lately you could pr- do something pretty darn heinous and yeah. then go off youtube for a couple actually, of weeks make a public apology yeah. get a million extra subscribers and in 6 yeah, months be, no one cares
2: yeah. <laughs> actually <laughs> it would be good for my career if i if I did a bunch of people <laughs> it's really it's, crazy the world guys people the just world. forget uh, it's mad i think people forget but some people just like have they just get more publicity so it's like mm-hmm. people who yeah. haven't heard of of these people in question suddenly <laughs> they hear about them they check them out and they're like ah uh, that wasn't so bad I kind of like what it, he, he appeals to my my horrible side. I'm going to keep watching.
0: I wanted to ask, just going back a little, like working and being busy and all of this stuff, and now you've got a kid, you've just moved to a to a new place. Um, mm. I'm I always like to wonder how people work like about their work schedules and Mm
3: -hmm. how
0: how they kind of treat their days because i'm always looking to learn from 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 that sort of thing i was just wondering like what's what what's your work schedule like now what's it been like in the past is there anything you you know how how do you feel about it well right now it's very confusing we
2: just (laughs) we just moved from Texas to the Midwest and we had a baby and so I'm still I'm still figuring out what my schedule is supposed to be like now mm-hmm. but uh, I would say when I was when I was growing when the channel was growing and I was working on becoming full-time I had a job I had a day job that start it was like 10 to six ish was my schedule at the mm-hmm. job yeah so I would get up at like 5:30 or 6 a.m and make a video in the morning before going to work I was doing it every weekday. <laughs> which led which is what led to my uh, being able to quit and do full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I continued every weekday after that uh, for probably two with with some exceptions for probably like two years full time and that was like I'd get up at, eight or nine and just work all day and get it, get the video up by like whenever it got done, like six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I'd get up, I'd look at the news. I'd look at comments. I'd write up, I'd come up with funny sketch ideas or jokes. And then I'd put together a script, a loose script, shoot it for like two or an hour or two edit for like three or four. It was always like three or four hours of editing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and put it up every weekday. I did that for a while. So but it's over the ten years it's con the the schedule has constantly changed mm-hmm. I de- My ideal schedule, what I would love to happen is that I get up, get all my breakfast, uh, walk the dog, play with the baby a little bit, get to work at like nine a m 10 a m I'm I'm always my best in the morning. I'm always I'm always I yeah I'm always better at at what I do in the morning. David and, and, so, and I have the
0: opposite schedules. I'm also a <laughs> massive morning person, but it's okay because we're on massively yeah. different time zones. Yeah,
2: it uh, works yeah. out for our recording. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm I'm just more excited to do things in the morning. When, at night, I get tired and I'm, I just want to go to bed. Yes, but, I, uh,
0: I don't I don't understand David's position here. He has to defend himself. There are now two of us.
2: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I
1: the night the nighttime is way better. That's when my brain turns on. Like the morning, it's yeah. like. Yeah, my brain doesn't work.
2: My ideal schedule is I get up, I write a script, shoot a video, and then get it done. And if I were doing it every weekday, Mm -hmm. um, I think I'll ultimately probably do like two or three a week if I can get to a good schedule where I write one day, shoot one day, shoot and edit another day. And then like, but it would be great if I could work just specifically from like nine to five every day, just get it done. Mm -hmm. Because when you have a wife and kid, I don't know if either of you do. I don't know. I don't know your yeah. situation. I have but, two kids uh, and a wife. Yeah. Do you? D- yeah, David. David, yeah. David oh, does. Okay. I.
0: I'm getting married in the summer. Yeah.
2: Oh, <laughs> congratulations! Then you. You. I want to have. I want to have more boundaries to work and life because before I had a wife and kid, it was everything was YouTube. It was just or or going and hanging out with friends, but there was no mm-hmm. specific schedule for hanging out with friends. So just like I'll just work until I'm done every day. It day. Doesn't yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. I have no one. I'm alone. I'm sad. Okay. I'll just work. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but but now it's like <laughs> taking now, a turn for the dark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now it's like
2: I I want I want to have time with outside of YouTube. I want to be away from it. Yeah. Um yeah. so so I feel like it would be great if it were like 9 to 5 or 4 mm-hmm. even. Just like cut it off. Yeah. After that time, I'm done. Whatever I got done, I got done.
1: Yeah, Especially with the kids. Like I mean like your wife's going to be a little more understanding that, oh, you're going to need to work a little bit later, but your little baby is like, no, I want your attention now, you know?
2: Right. And also my wife has been dealing with the baby all day, so like I yeah. need to yeah. her, give her a break. <laughs> and what usually happens though in this job is you're working on something and – you're almost done and you need like another hour and you'll be done and you can put it up on youtube or whatever and then so then and then it extends into the evening time into your lifetime so what? i'm just going to make yeah. <laughs> i never
0: yeah. never had this happen
3: <laughs> oh you never had that problem oh yeah. definitely okay. have
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so so i i realized the dream of doing every weekday is never going to happen anymore yeah. So mm-hmm. like I'm gonna I'm gonna have to unless I just well I was doing at the beginning of this year I was doing every weekday it's just a lot shorter simpler videos so I think I'm gonna go to two a week and just mm-hmm. work in the in, try, I'm gonna try to just work in that time slot whatever I get done gets done and that's it mm-hmm. yeah you know, just walk away walk away from the work yeah walk mm-hmm. away it's it's hard to do though when when you actually like the work that you do. <laughs>
0: I, I see I, I'm the least experienced here when it comes to uh, dealing with dealing with, you know, having uh, children and stuff. But I don't know my I'm, you know, the age where friends are starting to have kids and it's like you can see work schedule, especially like most of my friends, you know, work for themselves in some capacity. And it's like, yeah, work schedules just out of the window, largely because, you know, if you work from home. It's like you're always there. You're always around. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like there's not mm-hmm. that separation of, you know, Intel needs me to come in from nine to five or we're not going to get a paycheck at the end of the month. It's like, right. yeah, I am kind of here and I do make videos on the Internet. So it's not really like I'm working on the new right. Pentium six or whatever they're on. TV <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> right, know, It's not a Pentium yeah, it's- six. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, that's I mean, that's. Ideally, we our old our old. We've been living in small apartments, but we have a house now. Well, we're renting a house in the Midwest, yeah. so part of, partly the move here was because of that. Because now I have this office, I have this like, mm-hmm. with a door on it that I can shut. Fancy. So, actually, the, the door was actually literally just put on yesterday. They, <laughs> I, it's the house is owned by our friends, and they're they're fixing it up to eventually sell it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just renting it while they're fixing it up. So like Mm -hmm. there was no door, but now there's a door. (laughs) So I have, I have, I have a little separation from work and life, which is pretty nice.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. this for me as, as a long time fan of yours has been uh, quite a privilege. So um, like you you. say, flattery will get me everywhere. So, uh, you know, there you go. I really do appreciate it.
2: I'm a, I'm a short time fan of you. So (laughs) (laughs) well, thank you. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was nice chatting with you guys. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Uh, feedback and updates. Should we just jump right into that section? Casey Jane. Oh, this is a, this is a good one. <laughs> what was my <laughs> comments on this? LOL. For reals. <laughs> do, yeah. you, do you want to? Do you wanna, This is more like in uh, it, it, definitely in your space yeah. with the. the, with the...
1: So, so this happens all the all the time on articles on today. I found out on YouTube, we are constantly getting accused of plagiarizing Gizmodo. Right. This. I mean, all the time, and <laughs> it's because Gizmodo copies our content all the time with, with permission. We I, I gave them permission to do it in, in exchange for them um, including some link backs and stuff like that. And they actually went further and include all the related links. So it was a great traffic source for me like almost every day there for like a year and a half they were copying some new content and it was great. And a lot of them because they have a huge fan I mean some they'd get like hundreds of thousands of views on them and then it would send a lot of traffic back my way. So it was a great uh, relationship until I think Gizmodo when they got sued or something they got new management now and then they stopped doing that. But um, oh. yeah so the, the the point is wait what is did they that, get sued for oh the Hulk Hogan thing where they uh, a long time ago they they published or something his uh like a, a video of him sleeping with someone or something like that i'm not who's colgan uh, hulk hogan the, oh, the wrestler hulk, uh, hogan.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Wait, yes. Wait, didn't the company got sued go out of business?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. So he, this trial went a long time and then I, I'm not really sure of a lot of the details. I think there was like a billionaire or something who really didn't like the owner of Gizmodo or something. And P. so P. he, funded the, yeah, he yeah. funded the lawsuit and PayPal. then it ended up, yeah, it ended up causing the bankruptcy of the whole Thing when hulk Hogan won and uh, and then that's yeah new management at gizmodo and then they stopped doing the republishing thing. so um but yeah so anyways the point of this was is that we're constantly getting like a casey jane here this is says this is a repeated almost word for for word from this site and then they link to gizmodo and it's like yeah did you did you notice who they said on gizmodo
0: was the author was yes it was us <laughs> yeah um, so it, anyways, says, it thought, says there at the bottom at yeah. the top from today I found out dot com. Melissa writes for the wildly popular interesting fact website Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then plugs have... for our YouTube
1: channel. <laughs> Yeah, and so yeah, but this still happens all the time. We're constantly like, "Oh, today I found out just plagiarizes Gizmodo," and it's like, "No, uh, no, it's not. It's not quite what's happening." And so, anyways, I thought we should just mention that so everybody knows now.
0: Have we have we had it on YouTube? We get some. I mean, uh, for with top tens net, one issue we had was you know top ten lists became incredibly popular, and you'd get a lot of people who'd make these really terrible lists. You know, they'd just have very limited graphics and then quite weak voiceover or just a robot voice reading it and then they'd publish it and it would just be straight up lifted from top10s.net, the website you know, from an article published in 2013 or whatever, and then someone would, and then we would make it like the official version, because that's the, Mm -hmm. you know, the website that goes along with the YouTube channel, and people would be like, uh, actually this tiny YouTube channel published this in 2016, and you've just copied it exactly, and it's like, actually, no they just lifted the article from our website, we just take four years to make things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that that, that, that's happened a few times, I remember it was it hasn't happened very recently, I don't think, but but back before the channel really took off When we were like small people I guess just assumed we were copying other people But yeah that happened a lot I remember there was one on like Something to do with cats Like white like cats like catnip or something like that mm-hmm. One of those one and this this one video had i don't know like 500,000 views from Cats. this other channel Cats on the quite, internet. <laughs> yeah, it was quite popular on this channel was pretty popular and they mm-hmm. were and someone came on and was like, "Oh, you just lifted this word for word from this from this other channel like how dare you or whatever." And I was like, "Well, no, they lifted it from like a, like you just said like from the 2010 version when we actually wrote the article in the first place." Um, so yeah. And I don't feel like that happens too much anymore, I think because we're bigger, people just assume.
0: I think also YouTube's cracked down on this quite heavily because there used to be a lot of channels doing this and I very see them these days it's been maybe a year yeah. since i've seen anything like that and it used to be very common
1: yeah it used well what still happens a lot for today i found out the website at least um constantly constantly get people just copy the articles don't one one time one guy actually copied the entire site and made the entire <laughs> site look like today i found out and so he he made a site it was called today i found out dot whatever south africa's extension is z e or, whatever, Z-A, or something. i think yeah z yeah yeah z yeah yeah so he, he he copied the entire thing and then he had he had the audacity to be offended at me when I was like, no, you got to take that site down. I mean, like, I don't mind if people copy an article here or there, you know, with credit, but but this is like you're copying the entire site and every day he must have had some sort of software that automatically updated because I'd post something and then like within a half hour it was on his site as well. And so, and he was like, no, I can do this because whatever you say, you can, you know, let people copy an article. <laughs> like, yeah, he, has,
0: he has a very weak understanding of copyright law, apparently. Um, yeah,
1: he ev- he eventually banned anyone from the US from being able to visit the site. Like he just blocked it and in his. In his domain or wow. his server that's
0: that's gonna limit his 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 ad revenue yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah i did i did actually check i don't know a few months back just to see because it's been several years now and to see if it was still up and no it was it wasn't it was down so
0: could you not just dcma to his web host this is yeah, so powerful but,
1: but like it happens so often that people copy the articles that i don't i don't know i could spend all day just yeah. sending those out and so i, I
0: usually just figure out i'll just make new content it doesn't really matter there you go casey jane uh, not a copy from gizmodo Looking, we're looking for a producer. We, If you are listening to this, and we kind of thought this was the best place to, to put this out there. If you would like to... Did we talk about this before? Did I just edit I something related liked, to this?
1: Yeah, we briefly mentioned it uh, kind of offhand, but uh, but yeah. That just for, went, for a podcast.
0: Yes, importantly. We are looking, if you are yeah. interested in working with us on this podcast, drop us an email, podcast at todayifoundout.com. And we can start a dialogue if you've got some experience with audio and uh, like our stuff, I think more importantly, like if if you have a feel of if you think you have the feel of what we're, we're doing here, get in touch with us. Mm-hmm. Anything else we need to say about that?
1: No, I think that's good.
0: Uh, another thing was kind of related to the format of the show, which is something we've been discussing a bunch by email in the last couple, over the last couple of weeks, especially with people that we've sought out for feedback, like uh, our early beta listeners, and that was kind of how this show should be formatted. Like, I think the show, you know, a couple of things we've been discussing was, do we have, where do we have the fact section, where do we have the Q&A, where do we have the practical knowledge and then whether we split those things off into either two separate episodes or two separate shows. And I think basically we'd like to solicit feedback from the audience. What What do you think? And the best way to do that, as we've mentioned previously, is in our forum, forums.todayifoundout.com or just go to todayifoundout.com and click on forums in the bar and then you can uh, let us know what you think about that. If you've got something to say, that's probably where we'll uh, where we'll hear about it and, and have the discussion on that.
1: Well, I mean, we also have podcasts at todayifoundout.com if they want to do that. But I do think the forum on this one particularly is, is best because then and other people can ring in on what everyone's saying.
0: Yeah, um. uh, another, another, another very vital debate we've been having on the forums is about the, the whistling. We uh, we previously had whistling instead of the uh, what was described by David friend Noah as a class classy. Did he say classy? Uh, maybe he said something went, to describe the whistle i was like uh, that is a class uh, uh, to describe the guitar he's like that is a classy guitar oh I yeah it's like yeah
1: yeah. The, yeah the classy yeah he didn't he didn't like the whistle though he was with he was on he was in that camp but yeah. uh, username cryo and jn kai and barone on the forum mm-hmm. they, they they say otherwise they say keep the whistle bring it back
0: don't forget youtube to subscribe a fausto dc he also contends don't forget him he also contends that the whistle needs to be brought back I think these guys are in the minority but uh yeah I I
1: think I think Noah was actually the first one to say get rid of the whistle before he ever even published published the first episode of the podcast. He was like, I gave him the, the little sample beforehand, and he was like, no, dude, get rid of the whistle. The whistle it's not yeah. good.
0: Uh, okay. Um, yeah, we should also really, this should go earlier in the podcast, I suppose. But thank you to everyone who has reviewed the podcast. I think we have 18 reviews. I, I, I use iTunes mostly uh, on the computer where I look at the reviews, and it is incredibly frustrating how... Like, I have, I think I have UK iTunes, I think was my default one, but you can select the different countries. And so, obviously, the US gets the most reviews, but you can't see them all in one place. So, you can't, like, I want to look at all the reviews for my podcast. It's like, okay, well, I'll go to the US, I'll go to the UK, I'll go to Canada i'll go to australia and it's like <laughs> this is dumb and it's like every time you switch between countries it takes you back to the home page so you have to search again for the podcast yes it's slightly frustrating but for everyone who has left us a review i've seen someone on uk and on us iTunes. it really does actually make a difference it's not just nice for us to read the feedback or well, not nice if you've uh, left us a negative review but uh, it does really help us get more exposure in itunes and get this podcast in front of more people which means we can keep making more podcasts so if you do like this show please tell us you like this show review on itunes or your favorite podcasting platform we we know it's a pain in the ass. We just appreciate it if you do. If you now go to iTunes, and we talk a lot about iTunes even though we are both on Android, because iTunes is still very dominant in the podcast space, and now mm-hmm. if you search for brain food in iTunes, we come up. Progress is being made. <laughs> still not number one though right no there's some other one i can tell you right now actually <laughs> i've i i search for it so often because i'm like oh i wonder if you've got any new reviews and then we don't we're number two there's another one called brain food podcast which i guess is uh yeah that was from a while ago yeah q a and bonus facts rolling these into one kind of makes sense i guess they're kind of yeah a little bit different and yeah. the q a i think we've only got one q a this week right and feedback and feedback absolutely q a and feedback kind of all rolled into into one you' gonna try and pronounce that name, or am I? I'll
1: go with I'll go with uh, I'll go with Zara and just Silent, S and silent S. probably. Okay, okay,
0: Zara, yeah. Zara, Zara Hill. Hill. Do you so do you don't it? think it's Cezera, <laughs> Zara Hill? Uh, will you be joined in the future by Shell and or any? Of your writers, it would be great to get them know a little more too. So, for those who wonder who Shell is, that is the guy who I work on the Top Tens channel with. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I could ask him. He could. He'd be a good guest.
1: Yeah, he's done. He's done a lot of things over the years. Done a lot of things. uh, Also, a bit of a search engine expert, and among other things. So, yeah, I'm sure he would be a good one to have on, actually. Yeah.
0: I should. I should uh, ask him next time we chat. Uh, So, yes, potentially. Obviously, it's uh, it's up to him largely. (laughs) I cannot. If, yeah, it? if he wants to
1: come on. Uh, and Carl. Carl, Carl, as we said, be, as, we, or as we probably said, I don't know how we're going to cut it up, but as you probably heard, Carl's coming on soon enough. Yes. So, yeah, Carl he's one of the main writers for today, I found out, and sometimes top 10.
0: We are we are both in Amsterdam next week, and I think we're doing the podcast. The two of us will be there in person, which will be interesting. Mm-hmm. And Carl, I imagine, will mm-hmm. be dialing in from. He's in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. He is in the UK. Yeah. There we go. Yes, uh, th- I look forward to that. And now that that's it, yeah. that's that's the Q and A was extensive <laughs> this week. I have to say, a lot of that was because yeah. we uh, posted last week's episode on YouTube, where is where most of the comments come in. Uh, about half an hour before we recorded this week's episode, so uh, not a lot of Q and A came in, but we'll try and time that better in yeah. the future.
1: Uh, so now, now on to bonus facts. Bonus facts. Uh, these are these are
0: kind of related so, to the main section, right? Like Voltaire and Condomain and uh, these these kind of dudes.
1: Yeah, and so let's see. We'll probably let's start with Newton's the apple falling on his head, right? So you hear most of these anecdotes from your teacher or whatever, and they're they're almost always not true. I was assuming at all. that was just so this, a lie.
0: Like, I mean, he didn't. Yeah. It, boom. Oh, gravity!
1: Yeah, so I mean, it, it's kind of an exaggeration the way it's often presented, but um, the the tie in here is Voltaire was actually one of the first to write about this story. It was about he wrote about it about a year after Newton's death, but but a year before. Um, when when Newton actually died. Uh, there was also a reference to it and then um, some of Newton's people who knew him, his acquaintances and friends and his assistant actually rang in and said, yeah, no, this is something Newton actually told us. Do you want to read the quote from William Stuckley? Was uh, was Newton's close friend and he he wrote one of the um, best accounts of, of the story Newton told him about the apple falling on his head and how it inspired him to study gravity. I
0: shall do my best. After dinner, the weather being warm, we went into the garden and drank tea under the shade of some apple trees. Only he and myself. Amidst other discourse, he told me he was just in the same situation as when, formerly the notion of gravitation came into his mind. Why should that apple always descend perpendicularly to the ground, thought he to himself. Occasioned by the fall of an apple as he sat in a contemplative mood, why should it not go sideways or upwards, but constantly to the Earth's center? Assuredly, the reason is that the Earth draws it. There must be a drawing power in matter, and the sum of the drawing power in the matter of the earth must be in the earth's center, not in any side of the earth. Therefore does this apple fall perpendicularly or toward the center? If matter thus draw matter, it must be in proportion to its quantity. Therefore the apple draws the earth, as well as the earth draws the apple." wow. By the way, can I just, can I just note here how difficult it is when we're making videos and there's some quote from like the 17th century. I mean, I I feel I got through that quite well, but there are some weird words and people used commas really differently back in the day, it seems.
1: Yeah, their punctuation was completely odd and and often they have like those two or three, like what we would consider, like sometimes even page long. If you you read Benjamin Franklin's autobiography, right, he'll have these page long sentences, one sentence, and it's like an entire page and they, they just.
0: Yeah, do it reading those is always like it's one of those things you read in your head and you're like this is totally fine and then you read it aloud and you're like every cue about where to pause commas and things, is just out of the window and you just kind of have to guess as to the correct structure.
1: So this story was corroborated by uh, others who knew him, uh, mm-hmm. knew Newton, such as uh, John Condway, uh, was Newton's assistant, and he told the same story, and so it wasn't really, the, it, there's no reference to it actually falling on his head, it just fell while he was sitting there, just, you know, whatever, under the tree. And uh, yeah, so it was really, and, and, and it should be clear here, he spent like the next two decades Trying to get to the bottom of gravity and come up with his uh, solidified theory of gravity and borrowed borrowed uh, from ideas from other people sure. like um, famously like you know like Edmund Haley and stuff like for Haley's comment and all like that real so it wasn't like all his own thing <laughs> yeah uh, so this this was just sort of the inspiration where he really started thinking about it and trying to and where he really started doing his work on it was just this this apple tree thing and if you're wondering actually the apple tree it, it still exists it's still there uh, at least the one that they think it is um it's see it's it is family home in woolsthorpe manor near grantham uk uh, i have so. i
0: have a feeling i've been here my 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 gran would always take me to like we call them stately homes it's where kind of mm-hmm. the homes of old famous people or just rich people used to live and they're often owned by mm-hmm. an organization called the national trust and you can go visit them and wander mm-hmm. around yeah. and they kind of have all this uh antique furniture and, and stuff from back in the day it's great it's uh i think i yeah. found this it one is
1: this one is protected by the the is and the and manor is is uh, protected by the national trust yeah, the national if trust, i remember yeah we should go yeah the tree actually fell down uh, during a storm, but. But it rerouted and so it's still around. It's estimated to be about 400 years old now. It's an wow. apple tree still there. That's great. Go see it. Go sit. On, I, don't, I don't know. I wa- They probably don't let you sit under it. I wonder if we could get permission to sit under it, though. That'd be kind of cool. I
0: imagine it's going to be one of those things that's kind of roped off because it's you know <laughs> yeah. like a mutant's yeah. tree.
1: Uh, we could a- just really quickly, like, you, just you just, we'll bring some lights. <laughs> yeah, just jump the rope. Just and you just have to sit there for a minute, and then we can use that shot,
0: like you know, over and over again. <laughs> and then we'll broadcast it on the internet and get in trouble with the national trust, and then. We'll you can never come <laughs> yeah. to one of our properties again yeah. as a British no. person that's disastrous
1: so uh bonus fact 2 Voltaire so why did he why did he land himself in the Bastille and it turns oh, out oh this one yes yeah,
0: this was since the beginning of today's episode
1: yeah this this he wasn't this he didn't start it basically this was all he he started it type of argument so yeah. this quite wealthy French nobleman. Uh, do you want to try to read that name there? The
0: Chevalier de were... Rohan. Uh, 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 yeah. uh, I don't know. He's a French nobleman. <laughs> we can call him CDR.
1: Ironically, he made fun of Voltaire's pen name. Uh, so oh. Vol- Voltaire actually used tons of different pen names. I think like 170 something over his his career. But this, you know, the one he's most famous for is Voltaire. Uh, and so yeah, this uh, CDR made fun of made fun of Voltaire's pen name and, and Voltaire being Voltaire. He and very clever with his writing. He he uh, insulted Mr. CDR are right back and uh, apparently the, the the nobleman wasn't too pleased with this and so he just had his his assistants go um you know beat up voltaire <laughs> after this beating voltaire wasn't too happy with that so he he said uh, unless you pay me some money i'm gonna challenge you to a duel we're gonna duel and so the deronin guy was like no i'm really wealthy i'm just gonna get king louis the the 25th to um or 15th sorry uh, the 15th to throw you in prison without trial no trial you're just gonna go to the Bastille and you're gonna be there for as long as I want you to be there (laughs) Well, it was great to be
0: rich back in the day like
1: you could do anything Uh, you wanted this comes back to the fact that at this point in his career Voltaire was not well known and he was not wealthy and so they could do that to him right when he wrote and when he offended the wealthy people and so later when he was wealthy they could no longer do this to him right they could exile him and stuff like that but you know he was very protected by his wealth and allowed him a lot of freedom so at this stage of his career though he couldn't so he's in the Bastille and then he was there for I think it was about 11 months, I think. Uh, and then he suggested because he, he, he seemed seemingly was going to be there for indefinitely, like as long as they wanted him to be there. And so he just said, hey, how about you just ex- send me to England? I'll just go to England. Yeah, I'm out of your hair. And they eventually his request was granted. And they shipped him off to England. And then that um, comes back to the start of the story when he got to eventually come back to Paris and had dinner
0: with Le, Le Condamine. Well, I, I want to repeat, like, you, you have to go to prison for this, uh, for murder, and be like, you could just send me to uh, to France. If they said yes, I'd be like, <laughs> great, I'll take it. I mean, that sounds much better than prison. Yeah.
1: I, that seems like, that was like a big thing back then, you know, <laughs> like in, in Britain, you send the convicts to Australia, you're just like, out of sight, out of mind, whatever, we yeah. don't care. Because it is like, it's all the wor- it's a long ways away, and back then it was a lot of work to come back, and you know.
3: Yeah, So yeah. listen, I'll little...
0: take I'll take a foreign country that's far away over 17th century prison, uh, 18th century prison. Yeah. That's probably quite a grim affair, especially yeah. the Bastille. Yeah. It's not exactly famous for its uh, creature comforts.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you were wealthy in the Bastille, you could have all the you could even have like assistants and servants and things. But you know, if you were Voltaire and others like him, you you didn't have that. You know, so yeah, it wasn't a pleasant time. <laughs> Speaking of the when he was in the Bastille, he has one of the references, one of the of the man in the iron mask, where he he obviously didn't meet him himself, but he spoke to an inmate who supposedly actually had contact with that mysterious prisoner known as today as mm-hmm. the man in the iron mask we never knew Um, and
0: people never figured out who that was right it was always just speculation they
1: know his name his name is known uh but who who he actually was and whether that was his real name isn't known it's a eustace dag maybe i don't know Uh, it was his his name and and yeah we had a good i don't know 2500 words article on this on kind of trying to get to the bottom of who he was actually Mm. and it's kind of you know there's theories out there and some make more sense than others but yeah no one no one quite knows and of course the ca- the um uh, Alexander Dumas um most famously wrote like a fictional account of this character mostly made up but but Dumas did actually do research it was similar to the count of monte cristo it was actually based very very loosely on a on supposedly a real man or at least um Dumas thought he was a real man um, it was a story he read uh it was see from police argivus Jacquois puchet Puget? I'm, I'm not even going to
3: try. I would Jack, say maybe Puget but just because they tend to... Yeah,
1: sure.
0: One thing I always remember about French pronunciation is just always leave the, the last consonant off. Yeah. So if you would have like yeah. about, you would just, just say like about. Just or like,
1: completely ignore the last several letters. Yeah, usually. generally trail
0: off into nothingness.
1: So Dumas actually thought this was a real person and he read the story of this guy who who um had this sort of revenge plot. Mm-hmm. He ended up you know getting thrown in prison for something he didn't do and then when he came out he just had this elaborate uh, revenge plot. He, began, he ended up becoming wealthy uh and then just got revenge on everyone and it was great and so then the count of monte cristo was born kind of from uh, that sort of seed of an idea into a completely fictionalized version of that um and the that man in the iron mask was a similar thing it was sort of like there was a real person but you know uh, dumas interpretation was was quite fictional
0: you know i've not read the count of monte cristo i should probably read that one oh quite, you quite have famous. not re- you're
1: kidding me that is my favorite book of all time oh really you you seriously have not read that i've not that read that great, no great great book i mean there was also the movie was also great uh the uh not the see which i mean there's been several movies but um the one with the guy who plays jesus in the, in a different movie you know what i'm talking about
0: i want to say mel gibson but that's probably not correct is it no he, he, he uh wasn't he wasn't he in that that uh the passion of the, the christ was that yeah mel passion of
1: the christ the guy who played jesus uh the, it's not about um, gibson nice <laughs> I'm gonna look it up real quick.
0: Did Mel Gibson play Braveheart? Because <laughs>
1: this guy, this guy, this actor actually almost died right next to where I used to live. Oh. Uh, he was in a, mo- a motorcycle accident uh, driving up when I used to live uh, in Gold Bar, and he was driving up over the Cascades and he got in a motor accident, motorcycle accident, and almost died. But his name is oh great, he has an unpronounceable name. Okay, Jim. The C- Caviezel, there zone. you go. Caviar yeah, zone. okay, yeah. So he's—I I really like his actor. His version of the 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 Count of Monte Cristo, where he played the the Count of Monte Cristo, is great. But the book, you should definitely read it, and not the abridged version because the first time I ever encountered this, I didn't know I had the abridged version, and it was awful. It was stupid. I barely got through it, and I was just like, "This is dumb. Why do people like this book?" And then later, I got the full version, and I was like, "All right, I'll I'll give it another go. Now that I'm older, maybe I'll like it now." And I read it, and it was amazing, and it's my favorite book of all time.
0: Okay. And yeah. I will. Uh, I will. I will get on that. The Council check, Monte Cristo. Go, that's
1: our book recommendation for the day. Go read the full, non-abridged. Uh Count of Monte Cristo.
0: You, you want to hear like a bizarre aside? I was mm-hmm. uh, I was in China last year and I went to visit these kind of abandoned um, cities and places and all, all of this. And there was one where there was this basically they'd built like, they'd replicated a giant French chateau. So they'd basically mm-hmm. copied this chateau that's outside of Paris. This huge thing. Just And they turned it into like a, a hotel which was just completely unoccupied. It was really bizarre. And they had these kind of libraries and bookshelves filled with books. But you go closer and all the books are fake. They're just empty, you know there's the outside of the book and then there's no pages inside and all really light, which co- is countless copies of books. They are all fake copies of the Count of Monte Cristo. Really I was I was really tempted to steal one and then I remembered that I was in China and I probably shouldn't oh, do that. Yeah
1: hope people enjoyed the wheezy waiter interview which we haven't done yet but you have heard now
0: yes yes and uh, as always as we mentioned several times don't forget to uh, drop us a review on your favorite podcasting platform we do really appreciate it it does help out check out our forums forums.todayfoundout.com anything else we need to plug or add or say i think that's good i think that's good see you next week